Hello, hello, and welcome to Fofop. I'm Will Anderson, and this is a really good episode of Fofop. Well, I don't know what I make up your own mind. Enjoy it at your will, but um, enjoy it at your will. Probably not a show title, but anyway, here's the thing. Um, it needs a bit of an explanation up the top, so two good things. Uh, Adam Spencer, my dear friend Adam Spencer, uh, the great Adam Spencer, the brilliant Adam Spencer, who I was lucky enough to spend uh, five of the most amazing years of my life working at Triple J, hosting the breakfast show on Triple J, which... You know, I appreciate it at the time, but, you know, I have come to appreciate so much more as my life has gone on and people remember that show more fondly, perhaps, than it deserves. But uh, it is amazing that it has lasted so long and people still are interested in it and uh, us and us our and our relationship. And we have a great relationship, but we don't get to see each other as much as we would like. Uh, but we got an opportunity today to spend... Uh, two and a half hours, just uh, two and a half, three hours, just catching up at my house. And we recorded some of it and some of it we didn't record. Um, but uh, we've split it into two parts. There's a, if you like my footy podcast or if you don't like my footy podcast, but you like listening to Adam Spencer uh, and he, uh, it doesn't get in depth about AFL football. Uh, we talk about his relationship uh, being number one ticket holder at the Sydney Swans and we have some fun. Um, but I think if you like Adam or if you like football, you enjoy that bonus episode we'll put up on that. But uh, this is an episode of Fofop. Uh, it's good to have Spence on Fofop. I think it might be his first time on. He's done Philosophy, uh, one of my other various podcasts. I've got to stop coming up with podcasts. I really do not have the time. Uh, I, I Look, to be honest, someone got mad at me last night because I do, am doing too many podcasts and I totally appreciated the position and the argument that we're making. Uh, I did. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to, I was going to do a, a podcast about Australian Survivor, Outwill, Outplay, Outlast, and uh, yeah, I, I really just came up with the pun and I love Survivor and I thought that'd be cool, right? So anyway, uh, after watching Australian Survivor and then assessing my schedule and realizing I'm in the middle of making my television show that is an all intensive job and I still want to uh, get ready uh, to do some new stand up and write that and work on some other ideas. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? You're crazy. You're not even getting all your, po- your regular podcasts out. But Then someone on Twitter said, oh, you know what I really like? If you uh, went back and just did a podcast about every single... There's been 33 seasons of the American Survivor, three of the Australian Survivor. I don't know how many else, if that's been anywhere else in the world. But somebody did say it would be great if you went back and you did a review show, a podcast about every single season of Survivor, retrospectively. I mean, it's it's almost a Survivor lost crossover, isn't it? We need to go back. That's what I might call it. We need to go back. No, I've already got my pun name. Uh, anyway, uh, that's a that's such a fucking crazy idea that it appeals to me so much. So let's, you know, let's see. I don't know. Maybe that's just a crazy idea, but who knows? Anyway, I'm going to try to get my um, other regular podcasts out regularly. Uh, Fofop uh, normally gets out at least once a week, but I've had a little hiatus, but this one's a bit of a double episode. So we've got Adam Spencer at the start. Then... In a very Fofop moment, uh, my dear friend Justin Hamilton, who was on the last Fofop, uh, Hamo came in to discuss something Charlie and I have been talking about on Tofop, which is my uh, thought that 2016 is the worst year for movies. At least so far. At least so far, 2016 has been the worst year that I can remember for movies. And uh, Justin sees a lot of movies. He reviews movies and he loves movies. And he, and, he, and he loves movies. He can find a way to make me like something that I don't actually like that much. So... Uh, I thought it'd be great, and he brought in his list of all the movies he'd seen, and we started recording the podcast, and I didn't put my earphones in that day, because, you know, I'm me. I couldn't find them. That's why. But, you know, I really could have just fucking found them. I found them the next day, but I I couldn't be bothered finding them that night. 
And I was like, well, what can go wrong? Well, here's what could go wrong. Uh, his microphone could just not be plugged in, apparently. Uh, so the first 30 minutes, well, 29 minutes and 50 seconds <laughs> until my microphone fell out. Yeah, that's when we realized. Literally, our incompetence alerted us to our initial incompetence. It's very faux faux. But uh, so it turns out the first half an hour was just me uh, <laughs> t- talking to myself. Uh, it, I, I, did, I was tempted to post it. There was a little part of me that was like, this is maybe amusing enough that I will post it. I've kept it. So I have it at some stage. I don't know. Maybe we could do something with it or something. But anyway, I've put in the uh, sort of final, whatever it was, 35 minutes or more, I think, actually. There's still a bit more than that. But uh, so you've got uh, Adam Spencer. You've got Justin Hamilton mashed together. You'll hear the moment that Justin and I discovered that the thing hadn't been recording. Uh, but you won't hear the other 29 minutes and 50 seconds before that. Hey, um... I have something to plug. Uh, I mean, I have a TV show. It's on the ABC weekly. So if you're in Australia, you can watch that on a Wednesday night. Um, I am not uh, uh, hosting the new nightly show on Comedy Central, despite what some people thought when they read a wonderful article, a very lovely article in Forbes magazine that was just making the case for, you know, was speculating, was saying that in their opinion, like Gruen, my show would be a good show to fill that slot. Uh, There is no truth behind that. There is no sort of substantial evidence that that is something that anyone other than the writer of that article is considering. It is certainly not something that I have been considering or aware of in any way. However, um, I posted that article thinking that that's, you know, I mean, if you read the article, that was very apparent, but turns out heaps of my friends only read headlines. So to anyone who was misled by that, uh, it was not intentional. I did. I posted it without comment more just as a, oh, this is a nice thing, right? Like, or I don't know, whatever. I, I just posted it because that's the sort of thing you post, right? So anyway, that's uh, posted there, but the, you know, it is just a, a lovely piece of speculation rather than anything that is based in reality or fact. But I have uh, six more episodes of that on the ABC. You can catch the previous episodes on ABC iView. If you're in Australia, if you're in the rest of the world, I think there's things called VPNs and all sorts of things where you can pretend you're in different countries, but I don't know much about those sort of things. And I certainly couldn't endorse you finding them, using them and watching the show from overseas. So uh, I, now that I've told you not to do that, <laughs> do with that what you you will uh, do with that what you will. Maybe that's a show title. Do with that what what, what you will. What you will. What you will. Maybe what you will. Anyway, uh, why am I trying to think of show titles? It's that time of the year where I've been contacted by man in my management and asked, "What is the t- title of your show for next year?" We have deadlines to submit it, so now I have to think about that. Critically, will I'm thinking critically will. I like that. I mean, you know, obviously it's not too. It, I just like the way it sounds more. The critically rather than it being a play on. I, I am not dying. I need to clear that up. If I call the show Critically Will, maybe I'll have to have a little sign that says not dying, more a play on critically, but being... Eh. Maybe that's not good for the poster. Anyway, I'm doing some shows. I'm doing some improv shows. I know what they're called. What you talking about, Will? Oh, hang on. What you talking about, Will? Technically, I looked it up to make sure that it was actually correct to the original saying. What you talking about, Will? I did a series of five of them, including uh, one we put on the DVD of Willosophy uh, of uh, Willuminati. And... Uh, Uh, But basically what happens, I did them last time at the Sydney Comedy Store, which is a brilliant venue for that sort of thing. Uh, So uh, what happens is um, I, I just make the shows up on the spot. Uh, I like doing crowd work and some people like to see me do crowd work. 
uh, last year's show had no crowd work. I had so many things to say that I wanted to jam into that show that there was no time at the start to talk to anybody or create some sort of vibe. And there's something brilliant about crowd work is that I think comedy, you know, why I love comedy so much is that every night can be brilliant or every night can just be that night, you know, an experience you can remember forever. But the thing that often differentiates those nights is the crowd, you know, knowing something about the crowd or creating some energy, something that people will only see that night and you can never replicate again. And when you're in that moment, the, the way I always explain it is I can sit down and write about a bunch of topics you know, and hope that people might relate to them or at least they might relate to my opinion on me expressing it to them. But no matter what I'm talking about, whether I'm talking about being in a relationship, not being in a relationship, whether I'm talking about being black, white, Asian, whatever, they some of those would be weird things for me to talk about. But my point is that there's never going to be a moment, whether it's politically or life experience or whatever, where everybody in the room is bonded together in a complete 100% equal knowledge of that subject. Some people will be more or less interested or have no knowledge at all of that subject. If something happens in the room, we all see it. We all experience it in the same time and we can make something out of that moment, that moment that can never be replicated again. So that's that's the idea behind the shows. To be honest, if I could, like, if I was good enough at it, I'd just do these shows. I love them. They're my favorite thing to do. It gives me a small, safe window into what it might be like to be as brilliant as a Billy Connolly or a Ross Noble or these sort of people who do that regularly, who walk out on stage and their stage show in front of thousands of people involves an element of them just going, no, I trust that I'm funny enough that we can make something tonight. I don't believe I'm that good and I don't believe that Maybe perhaps I will ever be that good, but I do believe that in a small, safe space amongst people who have signed up for that experience, we might be able to create something together that we remember. So that's the idea of those shows. What are you talking about, Will? Uh, I wanted to do them at the Comedy Store. I love the Comedy Store. Went and saw Justin Hamilton's show at the Comedy Store the other night. Fucking brilliant comedy venue. One of the best in the entire world. But um, as these things go, I also have some dates in America and the only dates the comedy store had that they could give me were going to crash bang into those American dates. And I was going to try to squeeze it in and do it at the store because that was the ideal venue for it. Uh, but then I, I was able to do the week before, the 25th to the 30th of October at Giant Dwarf. Now, here's the thing. I also love Giant Dwarf. I did my political will shows there last year and it's just a gorgeous, brilliant venue. So it's it really is one of those things where, you, like, you know, I it's it, it, you jumped out of one great thing into another great thing. It's really one of those things where I love both those venues and they both bring different things to shows. So I'm going to really enjoy doing that. Uh, Justin Hamilton's going to come down and do support for me. He's going to open for me. He'll probably try some new stuff too, you know. I want to make it that sort of vibey night. So Justin will do something and then I'll come out and I'll make up a show, talk to people in the audience, riff on or bang on about some things I, you know, I've been thinking about that day or you know, in the lead up to the shows or however it pans out. But um you know, they're, they're more risky and they're a bit more dangerous and, you know, they probably won't be as consistently entertaining as the other ones. But, you know, I, I, I hope that they will have a bunch of those moments that, you know, we can't get to unless we're doing that sort of thing. So anyway, that's my plug. Uh, that's what I'm doing. I'm also a guest at uh, the Melbourne and Sydney Dollops and that's uh, like next week or something. So uh, if you haven't got tickets and you love the dollop, then come out and see those shows. All right, those are the plugs. Uh, Adam Spencer and then uh, half of Justin Hamilton. Well, not half of Justin Hamilton, half of... Oh, look, you guys know. I'm over-explaining. Sorry, I've been watching The Bachelor. Yeah, I know. I know. But I'm about to go in the house and hang out with the dogs, and I've got some washing to do, and I need to fold the washing. So tonight, I'm going to fold the washing and watch The Bachelor. But I didn't watch The Bachelor last night. 
as I'm not up to date, so I have to watch The Bachelor online before I get to it. Anyway, I'm really telling you too much now. I'm not doing a podcast about The Bachelor. All right. Enjoy this. I'll talk to you again soon. Cheers. The following episode of FOFOP is classified MA. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, a sex scene, time travel, terrible Batman impersonations, a Charlie Clausen pronounced Clausen-shaped hole, and mild coarse language. FOFOP advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15, and minors must be accompanied by an adult guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Tofop. Ironically, I'm not relaxed. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Fofop, I'm Will Anderson and joining me guest Charlie Clawson. Uh, Adam Spencer is here. Hello, Adam Spencer. Wonderful to be here, Will. We've just actually talked for an hour, which <laughs> may or may not be coming out uh, at exactly the same time. So that that false pretense of me pretending that yeah. Anyway, but look, you know, it's a, I, we did the footy podcast, and now we're doing this podcast. But it was a footy podcast because I know the footy podcast only exists because the non-footy podcasts would sometimes stray into footy territory. Yeah, it's a good point. The footy podcast we did stray a little bit out of footy territory. A bit, but we've also been chatting outside of that podcast, so I'm sure in the next hour we will have a couple of moments of... When did we talk about that? Oh, yeah. I think, yeah. I, I think I've already mentioned this to you. Were we recording or not? Yeah, I mean... I'm, I like I, that. I, I, yeah, I, it all blurs into one. I mean, I think I should just podcast 24 hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> Let people just dip in and out. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, tell me, you were, we were having a conversation in the kitchen while I was making a cup of tea, mm. and you you started a story, Yes. and then you did the, the classic thing that people do who are friends who normally tell each other stories when they're going to record a podcast, yeah. which is like... Let's sit on this. So go back a step. You asked me how my TV show, The Back Page, that I do on Fox Sports is going. Now, tell people who haven't watched The Back Page what The Back Page is. Weekly one-hour ramble about stuff that's happened in the sporting week. The big sporting stories, but also a fair bit of levity. Tony Squires hosts it. Tony Squires, people might know, used to host a show called The Fat, which yep. was a, like a, not exactly the same, but similar. a similar vibe show. Does He does radio on the Triple M Network on Saturday mornings, sport. Tony with four experts, well, four panellists around him. Kelly Underwood, the sports journo, is permanent member. And then a rotating cast of three drawn out of about six or eight people, uh, which run the spectrum from really qualified journalists uh, through to professional dickheads like myself and right. Ryan Fitz and that sort of stuff. And we uh, just dissect and have a bit of fun with the week in sport. On the week just gone when I was on, I took my younger daughter, Olivia, along to watch the show because she'd started watching it when I was on from home and really loved it. And does she get, like, I mean, because I, I, I'm always interested in this, of like how much of that does she understand what it really is? That's, like, That's the interesting thing because you go through those ages – Liv's eight now and Ellie's 11 mm. and putting stuff out there and seeing what they get and what they don't is really interesting. Mm. Like the other day, I, I might be embarrassing, I probably am embarrassing by saying this, but the other day we were in uh, the car and I had her and a couple of her friends, so you're talking 11-year-old girls basically, in the car and Liv, Ellie wanted to play something on my phone through the speakers on the car, so she reached forward and grabbed my mobile. And my mobile is one of the... It's not small, Uh right? And so as Ellie's picking up the phone, one of the other girls says, that's massive. 
The third girl says, <laughs> that's what she said. What? <laughs> <laughs> They're doing that's what sh- that's what she said bits now on that on that's massive now but hang on but, eleven but, but do they know what they're saying do you think they yeah. know what they're saying yeah they do at least to a certain extent they know what they're saying they they, they might not actually specifically no. know but they know that that's a funny thing around sex and they've got they've got to the age now where someone in the group knows or someone right. in that group has an older, older sister, sister who knows. And exactly. They're doing this beautiful thing at the moment, um, uh, <laughs> Mitty moving into the teen years, uh-huh. which is sex ed sort of stuff, and they've got their Mitty book and all that, and it's just, it's great, and it's 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 wonderful that, you know, um, like I'm, I am forbidden. I would break a sacred trust if I opened that Mitty book and right. looked inside, just not allowed to at all. But there's one little bit where they want your parents have to write something about, you know, describing you in a few words. So I was allowed to have access to that page of the Mitty book, mm-hmm. but opened in a way to make sure there's no way I could have accidentally seen over the page where there's clearly just a diagram of penis right, or something. <laughs> <laughs> but just, you know... Dad, I don't want you to see it because it's massive. That's I, what she I, said. I, 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 I did have one of what So there was... About a year ago when Taylor Swift's uh, Wildest Dreams was out, that song, Say You'll Get Over Me, blah, blah. And it's, Don't know. <clears throat> has a line. It's about Taylor Swift mm-hmm. and she's fallen in love with a bad boy. Oh. And, I know. Taylor. I know. Why? I know. And so I used to joke with her, this is Taylor singing about me because yeah, I'm a bad boy. Because you're a bad boy. You're good on your dad. And <laughs> oh, dad. there's a line in the song. There's a line in the song. There's a line in the song where she says, no one needs to know, know what we do. My head is in my hands. Your clothes are in my room. Ooh. So Taylor's obviously had a liaison yeah. with a bad boy, and she's all stressed about it. Doesn't really rhyme. We're, Taylor, you know, but- we're driving along, and I just, I just turn to Ellie and I say, "What? Why would his clothes be in her room? Yeah. That's weird. That like." Do they play in the same sporting team? And he's had to go over and get changed Why? before sport. Why would they be there, Dad? Well, it's just a bit weird, isn't it? You know, yeah, Maybe, I mean- was he borrowing? Dad. Was he dressing up in her clothes and that's why he's... Dad, I... You know, Dad. I I really don't. She says, Dad, you and Mum have done it twice. (laughs) You know exactly what she's talking about. And I almost crashed the car. You and Mum... (laughs) Have done it twice because that's what you imagine when you're yeah, a kid. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, even as an adult, yeah. when you think of your parents, yeah. it just is a comforting thing to kind oh, yeah. of go, you know what? Oh, yeah. Maybe they just nailed it each yeah, time. Yeah. So, this, so <laughs> do, do, the, do the kids understand? And so, Liv watched an episode mm. about a month ago where I was on, and on back page, right. we have a top five. Something bizarre happens in the world of sport. And so, this week's show was some fan got completely into it and was. Lifting up his shirt, showing his big belly in, in um, you know, uh, empathy with a player on his team is also quite large. Oh, okay. So we had the top five was top five examples of fans using their body for their team. Okay, nice. And just weird things of trying to distract people and stuff. The previous time I'd been on the show and Liv had watched, there'd been a prominent streaker uh-huh. at a sporting event, and the top five was our top five favourite streakers from the history of sport. And little Liv who's eight years old, was watching the show at home and watched this one-and-a-half-minute montage of streakers and honestly 
she cannot conceive that she will ever see something as funny or funnier than that again in her life. I mean, it's the peak time to see it, though. Oh, so, oh yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you've, you've got to, at the, when n- being naked, particularly adults, yeah. being naked in public is like, like so a bizarre thought. Oh, yeah. And th- you know being naked is hilarious because yeah. you've got to that point where you're like, yeah. you've gone from a kid where you're allowed to be nude e- everywhere, yeah. but you're now at that point where you realise you have to wear clothes. Oh, and yeah. you're past the point at eight where you can just take your clothes off whenever you want. Not no. allowed to do that yeah, anymore. Exactly. So you have an awareness of like being naked in the human body, but it's kind of- Let alone the idea of- Hopping over a fence during a horse race during a, or, and letting everyone see your bum. Right. Or having, you know, a cricketer hit you on having the bum. Having Greg Chappell, he was in, that New Zealand guy, yep, going after him. Yep, right. Yeah, yeah. So she thought oh, that she was would unbelievable. Love that. So what I was saying to you earlier was, <laughs> but I can remember those moments <laughs> as a kid where you'd be exposed to humour of just a different level. Someone would tell a joke that was more complicated than a joke. You know, someone a couple right. of years older than you or whatever, and you'd be exposed to a world of humour that you didn't real that wasn't funnier than the jokes I've heard before. That was a completely different. Wow, I just didn't even understand that room was there for someone to open a door for me to look into. Do you remember what that joke was for you? I, I can. There were different jokes, but one that I remember really clearly was there were two brothers older than us. They might have been the McDonald brothers. I think mm-hmm. they were twins. So I'm in maybe second grade, and they're in fourth grade, and there was a tomato sauce called Red Baron. Okay. Named after the famous German flyer of the uh, First World War. And the song on TV was... Um, ah! Out of it! Outside. Was it a dog incurring in the cat litter? Yeah, that was uh, that was Winnie right. going into the cat litter. Not that I don't think she would find anything in particular in there, but other, she would eat it regardless. Yeah, it's not worth it. Not worth it. So... <laughs> The, the ad the ad for Red Baron on TV <clears throat> used to go, here comes the mighty Red Baron with a tasty red sauce. Kids will chew by the gallon with a name like Red Baron. Yeah, of course. Ho, ho, ho. And, and, uh, and, and the background was just his voice going, ho, 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 ho. Here comes the – and the two McDonald brothers did a parody of that ad where one of the brothers started going, ho, 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 ho. And the other one, here comes the mighty red baron with a tasty red sauce. Kids will spew by the gallon. So he changed the word oh, chew. Ah, nice. Bang. Spew. Yeah. We stood there in a circle and made yep. those guys sing that about 20 times in a row because it was just so- Just play it again. So beyond- Do it again. Beyond- You've got to say this, Gary. Do this again. Beyond funny. Just Im- And I can remember thinking, like, just imagine being one of the McDonald brothers- and having come up with changing the word chew to spew in the Red Gallon, the Red Baron sauce ad. There's a podcast called You Made It Weird, which is hosted by a guy called Pete Holmes, who's a very funny American comedian. And he uh, he asks people at the end sometimes, when have you laughed the most? Mm. Tell me about the time where you think you laughed the most. And mine was one of those moments. I hadn't really thought about this for years until you just brought this up. But I remember we were at a school camp at a place called Kum. Oh, not Kumbaya, but it was like, it was yeah. something like that. It yeah, was yeah. like, and you had to walk through this archway and say it. And it was like just one of those classic old school school camps. And one of the things that they did was they put on a talent show, yeah, right? Yeah. And it might have been, I reckon, like you're saying, a couple of age groups. It mm. might have been like, you know, year four, five, and six all at a camp together yeah. and then doing different things. And I remember there was a Peter Coombs song, I think. I think it might have been Peter Coombs called Peanut Butter Vegemite. Right. Do you remember that song? Peanut Butter Vegemite. 
And I remember they sang Penis Butter Vagina Mine. Yeah. And oh. I don't know. Oh. I mean, I laughed for years. Yeah, I yeah. could just think of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime I heard that Coombsy song, I would yeah, just hear this and I'd be like, yeah. Penis Butter yeah. Vagina Mine. I, was, I mean, what else do you need, guys? I was at the beach with my younger daughter and she, uh, she realised early on that withhold, you know, Openly withholding affection from dad used to get a funny response from people. Okay. So if she knows, she says, I don't love you, daddy, people would giggle a bit or whatever. No malice to it, but just she realised it was the the dynamic was meant to be. She could play it for laughs. Totally. And she used to love that. And we were (laughs) on the beach one day and she decides she needs to use the bathroom up at the surf club. So I picked her up and carrying her up along the sand. She's only about six and I'm kissing her on the cheek. And I'm I'm just saying, live. I just, yeah. I love you so much. I just, I love being your dad so much. And I mean, I'm just bubbling with you know affection and euphoria. And she she looks back at me and she says, literally with this timing, you know, Dad, you're in my top ten. <laughs> Top ten. I I had to put it down because I was laughing like cramping I in mean, the sides of the top ten stomach. dads. <laughs> well, so first, if you're in the top ten, if she says top ten. That means you're not top five. I mean, top ten's like eight or nine. Yeah, it's rare if you're in the top five that they say top ten. Yeah, I mean, you're bearing the lead. Okay, mum, sure. Yeah, okay, mum, your sister, mum at number one, your sister at number two, but both your nans. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, okay. I'm happy for that. Yeah, but you're still top five. Who's the other four. Who? I mean, but even, yeah, who, how many people does she know for a start? Okay, Rosie, Ro- Rosie and Bereri, your best friend. I'll give right. you, that's five. Okay. Who's the other two or three? Well, I mean, that's why you're top ten. Maybe you were like, maybe you were six or seven. There's no way I was six. You could tell from the way she was like. Did you not ask? Did I you not scraped, ask a follow-up? I scraped I would have asked. 10. I would have been, who am I in the top ten and name them. No, no. Well, List when, them. When, once I regained the ability to walk, <laughs> I did a bit of that. And she yeah. started with mom and dad. Yeah. And the then, obvious. And then, <laughs> Oh, that man who brings the mail around. What? The mailman? (laughs) That guy who works at the shop. She just knew she had me and was just skewering. Right. When she said, you're in my top ten. When have you ever brought the mail around? That's just, yeah. I mean. Yeah, exactly. When have you ever worked at a shop? I don't work in a shop. Yeah, exactly. Whose money do you take the fucking shop? Right. Yeah, you're just on TV. Everyone's on TV, mate. (laughs) Everyone's on TV. I'm the the guy who lets you see random nudity. (laughs) I show you streakers. So tell me about going to the actual television studio because what's that like through a child's eyes? Like is it exciting or is it – I'm big on I don't tell – if we're going to do a bit – we're going to have a surprise, I don't tell the kids anything. So they don't build up any expectations. I I took Liv once to Katy Perry Uh in Sydney at the – Olympic venue, and she thought we were going to an A-League soccer match until she walked in and saw the stage. Because uh, <laughs> that, that moment of reveal. I mean, joyful, right? Yeah, I love it. I love it. So she was, she'd known for a few days we had a surprise, and she's begging me for details. Right. And we, we, we live probably about an hour and a half from where the TV studios are, so we're driving down. She's begging me for details, begging me for details. And in the, in, in the, um, the distance, she sees a big... And she says, is that, is that a big antenna thing? Is that, is that what the internet comes out of? And I said, yep. almost. It's actually what a television comes out of. She goes, oh, okay. It's not till I turn into the driveway where we're parking and buzz the security guy and say, oh, it's Adam Spencer here. I'm a guest on Backpage tonight. 
that Liv realises what it is. And while I'm looking that way, she's beside me, behind you, my head, and I just hear a, oh! <laughs> like that, and just this rapturous joy. And then we go downstairs, she gets to meet a few other people. We have a pre-show chat uh-huh. uh, about some stuff that's going to be on and all that sort of stuff, which is catered. So she's there oh my God. eating chips. What sort of yeah? What sort of catering do you chips. have? Chips, yeah, chips, chips or lollies? I, no, no lollies. No chips. lollies. Chips salad, which didn't even get a look in. I yeah, when the couple of bits of barbecued chicken she ate were the healthy portion of the meal. Okay, sure. So she's already one of the best days of her life. You know what though? That's the, what she's also got to do with catering. Yeah, you've got. I mean, let's be honest, people. I work in television. Eat the shit stuff. Oh yeah, the shit catering is always the best stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, don't tr- go for the healthy stuff. It's going to disappoint you. And and just the ability through the eyes of a kid to be so excited. We went once. Yeah. On a um, took the girls once on a surprise trip. I was doing some work up on the Gold Coast. It was going to take a couple of days. Schoolies, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. And so, um, <laughs> Handing out red frogs yeah, at schoolies. Yeah, yeah. I was doing a bit of mitty, moving into the teen years. Right. At I shut that down very quickly. That's really weird. But, uh, I said, this is not even your van. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, so my wife took the kids up. I was already up there and they met me on the last day and then we went to Movie World and that okay, sort of sure. stuff. The kids didn't know until they thought they were going to school. And mum said, no, no, don't get dressed in school. Put this gear on. We're going out to the airport. Oh, okay. Up they go, the whole thing, movie world, all that stuff. I hear the older daughter a few days after she's back talking to a friend on the phone mm-hmm. saying, "We did, it was, oh, yeah, 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 I think talking to a nan. Um, or, the we, ma- or the mailman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we went to the guy who works at the shop. <laughs> we went away, blah, blah, blah. And she said over the phone, you know the best bit? I'm thinking, here we go. When we're in the hotel, there's this phone. You pick it up, press a button, say, can I please have some chips? And they bring you chips. <laughs> that is the best bit. I mean, I mean, we've got so I used to it. To the fucking Gold Coast. <laughs> nah, I remember a hotel. Movie world. Hotel room. Dream is- world. Hotel's exciting. Oh, yeah. For a kid, oh, I remember yeah. trips to the city and the, my favourite bit would be the hotel room. Yeah, yeah. There was just something – because I think when you're a kid, the idea that there's a bed and the television's right there yeah. and you can just order food, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's pretty much all you want. Well, I mentioned this on the radio show I used to do after that. We did a talk back on when you're a kid and what you can remember of yeah. that sort of joy and wonder. And the two I remember, a guy who'd come down to Sydney for the holidays and from the uh, a, a rural centre – where they had not yet been exposed to automatic opening glass doors. Oh, yeah, right. And he and his brother- It's like get smart. Just stood there and walked in, in and out, out of David Jones. He estimates for about an hour. Right. Just a mo- just so exciting. I mean, so it's exciting. fun. And the other one was a guy- I still think they're fun. Yeah, pretty Often cool. when there's like doors that are doing that, I will often do a little hand signal and just pretend I have special powers. Or see how close you can- See if yeah. you can move up close enough without it spotting you. Oh, you know the one actually that really gets me sometimes is like, you know, have you ever gone towards one and then just like you've seen other people walk through it and then for whatever reason it doesn't register you? <laughs> and then that moment where you just think, oh, it must be opening late and then you're at the door yeah, yeah, yeah. and it hasn't opened and you're like, hang on, have I been dead this whole movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or and or just that that that's so visually the ataxia the great if you have it when you step onto an escalator that's not moving oh and you get that weird because you can walk upstairs you can see that it's not moving right you can see it and you know it's not moving but as you step and your eyes see those things you expect that sense and you, and almost 
the ABC used to have that, uh, you know, one of yeah. those ones that goes around. So yeah. it's on a, well, I don't know what you, what you call those doors, but they're, they're the circular ones. They're rotating and there's three so, grills. Yeah. yeah, but it. Each what, 120 what, degrees apart. What nobody knew about it was there's not a consistent pace. Those no. things, if you get in too late, it slows down everything and yeah. that freaks people out. Or if someone touches, if it contacts yeah. anyone, it stops, stops. instantly. <laughs> And then people walk into the one in front and turn around angry. Yeah. But the, sec- the, 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 the second call about amazing experiences was a guy who'd they'd gone to Canberra or something and stayed in one of those old motels that you drive into where you'd fill out your menu on paper right. the night before and put it in the, em- the sort of letterbox at the front of your room. Yeah. And they'd come and put – and this guy and his brother honestly thought the box was magic. Right. You could write on this box and tick – bacon and eggs, and overnight that piece of paper in the magic box would turn into bacon and eggs. Oh, it was a bacon and egg making box, magic box. You don't understand how it worked. Well, I mean, that's as good an explanation as any. You'll take that. Based on the evidence you have. (laughs) Let's rule that out first. Let's rule out the magic box theory first before we... Has anyone explored that maybe... This is a magic box. There is something delightful. I do remember that. That that breakfast room service. The first time you ever experienced that when somebody comes up with a tray of things with big conches on top and stuff like that. It's pretty exciting. The thing that I wanted to go back to was you went to a Katy Perry concert. Yes. Now, what... Because I am never going to go to a Katy Perry concert, mm. I, I don't imagine. So uh, give us your review. What, what's it actually like? As someone like who, you know, we worked at Triple J. Yeah, yeah. You know, I know what sort of music you're into. And yeah. in the time that we worked at Triple J, I did not see any of that music, you know, no. like kind of leading your way to Katy Perry. No, well, still Katy's early stuff then. Yeah. I mean, she's really come on. I mean, yeah, sure. No, I loved I, – I, I was because I was experiencing it through her, yeah. I loved it was every second of it. And watching her – What's it like? I mean, tell me what it's, it's actually – It's reverential. It's right. full on. She started – so Raw was her big hit at the time. Yeah. And she started the concert with that, oh. which was interesting. Yeah, okay. That, that, that I thought, okay, artistically that's really quite right. interesting. And the crowd was going out strong. Up for it. Um, skewed very much towards uh, girls – yeah, you know, twelve to sixteen would have sure. been the, the real target market. And then, who were they there with dads or mums or mixed? Uh, normally, it looked like uh, one parental figure yeah, taking for a group. three or four or five uh-huh. others. Uh, there were a lot of uh, there were a lot of teenage boys who I would guess were gay and were quite comfortable in their sexuality at that age, which I found really. I find that really interesting and empowering. I think that's awesome if at right. that age you're comfortable about. What I you're mean, at. I think that that's why I always feel, regardless of the terrible things we're going through at the moment, with the fact that we're going to spend 180 million dollars on a useless vote that no one's actually going to pay attention to to demonise you know, young LGBTIQA people. Like, I, I do have hope that I look at those younger generations and go, look, it does at least seem like for at least some of the community, it's easier than it used to be, and that's it's great. It is great. I'll tell you one quick tangential story. So I used to coach women's soccer at the University of Sydney. And the last year I coached women's football, new team, uh, new a lot of new players on board, and it's a pretty rocky start. There's some personality things we've got to iron out a bit. We all go out one night after training uh, to dinner at the local pub. Socceroos are playing. I've brought Ellie along to watch because she loves a bit of football and she used to be almost team mascot and we're there watching. Number one ticket holder. Exactly. <laughs> so, oh, there you go. That's ah. a call back to the other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you, said, you said it had happened. Yeah. <laughs> now you have to listen to the other one to yeah. get that joke. Nice teaser. 
we're at this, and Ellie's de- developed a real liking for this girl, Sky, who's on the team. Okay, sure. And Sky is dating one of the other girls on the team. Okay. Sky sitting next to her. Sky goes to get some drinks and asks her girlfriend if she wants anything. Gives her a peck on the cheek. Walks off. And um, Ellie uh, says to the other girl, "Are you are you Sky's girlfriend? Are you?" And the girl goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And Ellie goes, "Oh wow, you." Do you, do you do you really love her? And the girl says, "Yeah, I really, really, we really love each other." And Ellie just apropos of nothing, she's about n- nine at the time. Uh-huh. She pauses for a couple of seconds, and goes, "You know, I just think it's so unfair. You guys can't get married." Could I have some chips? Right. <laughs> and, and and just in that moment, so there'd been all this little, you know, how was how was it working with me as the coach? Uh-huh. Was my personality type really fitting in with the whole group? Sure. And I'm just under the table going, you little fucking beauty. Yeah. Man. Well done. Yeah, you've really- uh... Just out of the mouths of babes, you know. Oh, beautiful. But the Katy Perry concert- right. yeah, That's right. why you, you got to just send her into all situations like that. Yeah, say, yeah. say something good about the refugees <laughs> as well. I think that'll be helpful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here's just a little potted bile of the yeah. European anyway, conflict. The yeah, here are four key phrases. What about Brexit? Stay on message. Stay on message. If I touch the outside of it, right. that means push. Remember, it. every time that you say one of these cool things, you get chips. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the cut. Um, and watching her, watching her get in it was just, you know, not my sort of a night. There was one bit where Katy Perry got everyone. She had a, a moment of talking with the crowd, yeah. and she got them all to give a pinky promise. Oh, yeah. That they'd be fans of hers forever. Oh. And it did mm. have a slightly weird, just been speaking to my people, they've given me the demographics of the latest mm. album sales. We really need to start, you know. Yeah, we've got to hook these people in, Taylor Katie. Swift, you know, You're doing very well with the 12 to 14s. And we've, but just, we've just seen how Taylor's North Taylor, American Taylor's tour is re- selling Ta- compared to you. We need to. Taylor's really getting the 14 to 16. What can so we do? We can't make you lock them in? Can't make them sign a blood oath. I mean, can we? Can we make them? Pinky promise. We could do a pinky promise. I mean, and and to a kid, that might as well be a legally binding a, contract. Was a li- that was a little bit. Wow. Yeah, I know. I'm going to start doing that at the end of shows. <laughs> like, I'm about to go. Big thanks to the crew. But before we go, pinky promise. Yeah, do it on Gruen. Oh, yeah. I've, okay, yeah at the end of Gruen. The That's my sign up. Just quickly. Uh, uh, presume right. I'll see you next week. It's been week. nine good years, guys. So, pinky <laughs> promise, you're going to stick with me for the next 50. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, what other things have you gone to? What what other things have you done, like gone to experience that you never would have experienced, you know, yourself, but you've experienced through the eyes of your children? That is there anything that you kind of went, oh, I would have thought this was like shit before I went and saw it, but now that I've actually seen it, I'm like, oh yeah, actually, you know what? I I should have looked at that. No, yes, yeah, I, I'm I'm more I'm so as I'd said, I'd had a lot of involvement with um sport before, done mm. a lot of coaching. The way you experience that as the parent of a child oh, who's yes. playing, so completely so, different yes. to how you experience it as someone who's playing or a coach where you've got a certain investment. So um, I'm going to say some things up front and then you can actually tell me what the truth sure. is because I know how competitive you were. Can be. Right, and can be. Sure. Yeah, I mean, we <laughs> once played we once played a made-up game of cricket with rock stars for the radio and I think that you bowled the last over to a blind lady <laughs> yeah. and bowled flat out. You're yeah. a competitive sort she of was, guy. She was weak. She was right. back and across. <laughs> And when I say blind, I mean legally blind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, 
you're a competitive person and but of course i think you're also the sort of person who would understand that the uh like the the d- dad or mum that like the parents on the side of like you know, children's yeah. sport can be the problem you've got to let your kids play children's sport and experience it in their own ways and those sort of things so now tell me about what your experience actually is. Well, and the interesting thing's been because all my Ellie has Ellie played one season of soccer in an all girl team. Apart from and Liv now plays in an all girl team, but they've both played a lot of stuff in mixed teams, which I found really healthy for them. And I've always you know encouraged them to do that and and liked them sticking up for themselves in that. So Ellie's yep. playing AFL. Well, I was about to say, like, I mean, she's playing. This a- is the, the women's AFL is coming in at about the right time for those girls to like go through the system. I mean, there's got to be a Swans Academy. You guys yeah, yeah. have always got a sneaky fucking academy yeah, yeah, somewhere. Yeah. They got one tucked away. Surely, is there a like a in the women's league? I mean, I know in the AFL you've got to go play a hundred games for father or son and yeah. stuff. But surely with the women's, the fact that you've been number one ticket holder at the daughter. Swans mean yeah, she there's got to be a father daughter, in, right? It's great. So she's playing in an all boy team except for her. Oh. She decided to play. Three weeks before the season began. All right. Right. Having never kicked a footy or anything before. So I went in like really nervous and wondering if it was going to be right for her and just terrified of the first time she'd get you know, tackled. Yeah. Hurt. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and first game, first touch she has, she's got the ball. This guy tackles her, completely legal, but a fairly solid yeah, tackle. A solid the tackle. ball spits out. Umpire does it for holding the ball. <laughs> and so I'm torn because she clearly did not have prior opportunity to get rid of her, but worried that she's – and I run water for the team. Uh-huh. So I'm out there checking that she's all right. And and she was, and it was great. And then second game, she gets belted in this tackle and gets up and she's, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, bit of water, good on you. I'm really proud of you, sweetie. Run on. And then she calls me over a couple of minutes later and says, actually, yeah. you might want to tell the coach to take me off. I, yeah, I, I, I can't feel my leg. Yeah. She got a cork. Right. She's 11 years old. She's never had an 11-year-old girl. You, it's quite easy to get to the age of 11 without having someone right. Not having a- rammed an elbow into your thigh and you, and you just... Yeah, if anyone out there has a brother, you will find this impossible to believe <laughs> that you can't have not, you could make it to age eleven. Yeah. This is the sort of privileged life, Adam Spencer, your daughter is living as an older sister in an all daughter environment. Right, she didn't have enough. No corkies. Understand that? I they mean, you have- should have you should have dished out at least one or two random corkies. Couple just of dead as legs. like this is going to happen to you at some Couple stage. Of tiger I don't want this to come as a surprise. <laughs> but she's off on the side. And and she just wants to sit down, oh. and I'm saying you really should try and just move, keep walking. I just want to sit down. Just want to sit down. Well, when we go and watch the Swans, Ellie, yeah. When Isaac Heaney comes off, what does he do? Does he sit there and he sort of jogs up and down? I think you should do that. And I'm there watching my daughter run out of cork, which it just this bursting feeling of pride and happiness. Really, really, really fun. Yeah, I mean that that I can imagine that would be very exciting. How does she deal with uh winning and losing? Is that something that she hasn't cuz I think that's I mean you see often the argument is made and I've heard a lot recently since the Olympics, you know, over like, you know, oh well the problem is that this generation all get bloody trophies mm. as if the people who are complaining aren't the people who decided to give everyone yeah. trophies. <laughs> it's not like the kids got together and went, "Hey, by the way, can we all get a trophy?" It's literally the parents yeah, who decided yeah. every kid should get a trophy. Yeah. The same ones who were complaining about the attitude they've instilled. Some of the games, they don't even have like scores and stuff at the lower levels yeah, because yeah. of that thing. Is she aware of winning and losing? Does she have a relationship to winning and losing? Is that something that you – like because I – as a parent, 
the, I, I imagine there's that sort of thing of going, you want to instill because she's going to have to live in the world. Mm. And that one of the skills that you need to live in the world is that regardless of you wanting to compete, other people are going to be competing. So you need to have some level of, you know, competition in you or like adventure in you to yeah. just live in the world. And but or- at the same time, you don't want to... And I've learnt the lesson that in general, if you try harder at something and give it a decent preparation, you're more likely to enjoy doing it and go well in it. That's a really right. handy skill to pick up. And and that idea that if you love something, th- there may be a period of time like where it's hard to do to get to the point of loving it. So she lucked in with this footy team because they're pretty handy. Okay, good. And um and they're they're about to go into their final series, and they're pretty much top of the ladder. Okay. And they're going all right. Right. Fair to say she hasn't been the single most dominant force. It's not in just that because team. of her? Not just because Haven't of her. Haven't locked her in for a 10-year deal yet? I'll be looking more at Toby and Liam in particular. Uh, okay, yeah, sure. Toby's very handy. Yeah. Uh, uh, but but she hadn't kicked a football in anger no. until three weeks before the season. No, no, no. So you can't expect her to win the best and fairest. And then all season, um, has, you know, when I've gently suggested, well, look, you know, if you – if you went for a bit. If you came down to the beach and went for a bit of a run or something, that'd be good because you know you're getting really tired sometimes. Yeah. Maybe you could, you know, maybe a little bit of, yeah, you know, whatever, Dad. You know, doesn't like kicking a footy, doesn't anything like that. Suddenly, the day after the last game mm. of the regular season, and they're officially into the finals. Dad, could you wake me out tomorrow morning when you go for your jog? I might come down and go for a jog on the beach. So having ignored it all season. Yeah, and you got to get it right for finals. For any period, That's where you start your preseason. For any period of time. <laughs> the game between. Could have had an impact. <laughs> Technically, she's probably gonna. It's gonna probably gonna be worse. She's probably gonna be more tired on the weekend because she's been running all week for the first time in her life, and her legs are going. What are you doing? You're down me? at the beach. She's doing sand dune running. So she, you know, she plans to put in the most focused fifteen days of her life. Well, she's doing a pre-finals pre-season. I'd love I like to because, it because we won't go too much into the territory. No. The, the AFL season this year, at the end of the season, they do have this one week by before going into the finals. Yeah. I'd love to think that Buddy Franklin or someone's going. You know, after this weekend's game. Okay, that's it. Right. Got an extra week off before the finals. Really should start. You know what? Yeah, I'm just going to go to the gym. <laughs> Might do some running. Get down to Bondi in the morning. Could you wake me up in the morning? I'll roll start out. Focusing. And yeah. Get down there. Uh, I, I the other thing that I, I am interested in when it comes to that sort of stuff is like, what do you think about the world? Let's move away from mm. your like you know kids specifically, but. They're at an age where they're about to inherit, you know, the world. You know, Mm. what are your – how do you feel about the world at the moment as a parent who looks forward? I mean, because, you know, particularly when it comes to things like, you know, climate change, Mm. you know, if you believe these fucking so-called scientists, Adam, with all their fucking (laughs) facts and stats and opinions, um, some of that stuff's a little bit terrifying, right? Yeah. It's It's fair to say the state of the world's a bit up and down at the moment. Yeah. Bit hot Patchy? and cold, yeah. <laughs> bit hot and cold, in and out. Yeah, hasn't had, hasn't had a consistent run for no, a while. Not been able to string together yeah. a few wins. Just hard to pick. Just hard to tip at the moment. The world, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, I, I don't. I, ha, I don't dwell, um, uh, on what it's going to be like right. 60, 80 years from now. For, because it's impossible to predict. And it's and and, and everyone who talks about that sort of stuff says it's probably my daughter's kids' kids where that stuff's really going to hit up against it could be earlier than that. But watching them try and get their head around it, like she's, gee, um, fair to say if they were entitled to vote, and I have not said a word to them on this subject at all, Donald Trump would not be getting my daughter's votes. No. Oh, I don't know. I don't know where they get the information from. But they get it. They come home every day. Did you hear what Donald Trump said to a disabled person? It's hard to miss. 
in the world of an eight-year-old? Oh, I reckon it's hard to miss wherever because, A, he's the guy from the telly. Yeah. He's the guy who has his names on the building. He's the guy who hosted The, the Apprentice. You yeah. know, They may not know any of those things specifically, but you get a sense of Donald Trump as yeah. being a person who exists. And then everybody's talking about him. Yeah. So you just get all you need and is And most the, of the press that trickles down to them probably- Not positive. Not glowing. I mean, they're not listening to a lot of Fox News, I imagine. <laughs> you're, you're not popping Fox News on at home. No, Sean Haggerty doesn't, doesn't have no. much. No. It's like, you know what, Dad? Donald Trump does have some good ideas. <laughs> have you ever considered building a wall around our house? <laughs> He gets deals done, Dad. Uh, speaking of uh, the world of, uh, you know, well, the world, the Olympics were just on. Did you watch any of it? Like, I mean, it's interesting to me that I used to be the sort of person that, you know, I mean, we were, we were lucky enough. Yeah. Like, in, in, in one of those things that maybe even at the time – we, I don't think. Well, I don't think I quite appreciated no. how lucky we were. We worked the Sydney 2000 Olympics because the a- backyard, the ABC had the rights, yeah. and that, so that meant that Triple J, as part of the ABC, was able to do a whole bunch of things. We broadcast from out at yeah. the stadium. We yeah got to interview like gold medalists and legends of the yeah. sport. We got to do a dummy call of the opening ceremony. Um, you know, it was a really fun time. And I love the Olympics, and that certainly that glow stuck with me for at least another couple of Olympics. But the last couple, I've started to. We did a live show from the Paralympic Village because it was the first time the Paralympics were running on off the back of Olympics, and and that was one of the more fun live shows we've ever done. Like that was genuinely a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, and remember when we got to go to the because we had done that, we got to go to the Olympic dining room. Yeah, because it's exactly the same Olympic dining room for you know both Olympics of course, and you always hear about this fabled Olympic dining room where you can just go and it's free yeah. food. I mean, this is – it's like, oh, my God, free food. This, oh, now, yeah. this is my version of oh, yeah. I got to go to the Olympics yeah. and all I can remember is the Nuggets. free food, right? And it was one of those things because they have like a McDonald's and stuff yeah. and it's all free because, of course, it's not just athletes preparing for their events. No. It's ones who have finished Post their events, events and haven't had a burger for yeah. – all, all these years. Oh, yeah. And that was my highlight. <laughs> uh, I remember also you being invited to the Paralympic opening ceremony. Yeah, by uh, Carney Liddell. Uh, <laughs> and I said, she goes, you should come and march with us. And I said, no, I don't think that would be appropriate as I am not a participant in the games. And she goes, come on, all you have to do is limp and dribble. Yeah. <laughs> now, that would be offensive if I had said that, but she was allowed to say that. But the, the, my, see, my singular memory of my standout memory, and I thought about this the other day for some reason, my standout memory of our time <clears throat> at uh, the Olympics was you get the, there's there's all the athletes and you just get these lucky connections where you might just get to interview a superstar. Right. But those people are on big media schedules. You have no control over when you're going to get them or anything like that. But if person X walks in the door now, you've got them for 20 minutes, go for it. You can't say, oh, we're doing something. Could, could you maybe come back in like an right. hour? You just got to go with it. So at the same time as Kieran Perkins won the Olympic gold in the 1,500-metre freestyle, yep. we landed a spot with Mike Powell. Yeah. The American long jump world record holder. holder. And we're like one of the most famous athletes in the world at the time. Who'd faced off against Carl Lewis in back to back Olympics and all this sort of stuff. Fair to say, 1500 meter freestyle swimming, not his strong suit. No. And, but but I, re- <laughs> I remember the three of us. So I was doing a reasonably serious call of the race, keeping right. an eye on the lap times and the positions. I'd done a bit of homework, and we suddenly had Mike Powell dropped on us. We're not going to say no to Mike right. Powell. So you're, I'm, I'm giving calls as they turn each 30 seconds or so. Perkins now, eight, 
three seconds from an Olympic record, about eight strokes clear, looking good at the moment, blah, blah. Then we'd have half a minute or a minute, and you're yakking with Mike Powell, and I remember Mike had... Mike was in the same way that Roy and HG had that relaxed vibe that a lot of the other international athletes found fun. Mike Powell was enjoying his time at Triple J. Yeah. And there was one bit in particular where I said something like, you know, Perkins looking looking strong, relaxed, long, strong strokes. <laughs> and you turned to Mike Powell and said, look, Mel, I don't know about you, but looking at you, I think you know how to do a relaxed, strong uh, stroke. <laughs> what are you, Mike? <laughs> Good to see my quality of material has not changed in 15 and years. Mike Powell just lost. He yep. pissed himself laughing. At the, you'd said something like, from what I understand, when, when the when the events are over, there's yep. a bit of a party around here. You'll be doing some long, strong uh, strokes of your I got, Well, he mind. laughed in that way that implied that that was all that Mike really had on his mind. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like that. The, even Usain Bolt got in trouble because, like, you know, yeah, uh, you yeah. know, uh, you know, grinding, grinding and you know, yeah, whatever. His, his girlfriend didn't come to the Olympics. And she knows who he is yeah. and what's going on at the Olympics. Yeah. I, I, I'm fair to say, I reckon Usain got a, you know what, you win three gold medals, you have a good time, then you come back here. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Usain's mum had done only one interview in the entire Olympic Games and she had said the phrase, uh, once this is all over, I hope he just settles down, gets married and has a baby. Yeah. I think Usain might be working on that in the other order. Right. Unfortunately, <laughs> he was working a bit harder on the let's have a baby nine months from now. No, I think I reckon it's more the sort of like this is your yeah. this is your hall pass. Yeah, yeah. This is your last time. Yeah. You know, what happens during the Olympics yeah. stays at the Olympics. So right? the reason he was when he went past that French guy in the semi-finals, yeah. that massive, massive smile. Face, he wasn't was just thinking about the party. I suddenly realised, like all the only I'm thing, that, right the only thing that's ruined his Olympic experience is that the hundred isn't in the first week, <laughs> so he has another whole week of enjoying himself. Yeah, but if there's anyone who can cram a fortnight of fun, oh yeah, you know about twelve hours. Well, he's a man who does his best work in nine and a half seconds. Exactly. So the UB. <laughs> So did you watch any of it? Did you get fascinated? Did the girls enjoy it? Are they fascinated by it? I knew quite a few people going. I do a bit of stuff at the University of Sydney Mm. and they have a big elite athlete program. So I probably knew about 20 people in different sports. A lot of the women's water polo players. I met Jess Fox, the... uh, Canoe slalomist. Yeah, and she's who, fantastic. Who, who, who unfortunately had a. Oh. I mean, it wasn't. It, you know, she she could have won a gold again. Oh, oh. Uh, except for uh, one, a, wonderful woman. Yeah. Wonderful woman. Uh, Looks like it. Seems like a wonderful yeah, sports yeah. person. Chloe Dalton from the women's sevens. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right. And yeah. She's she's the one who's broken her arm three times in the last eighteen months. Yeah. And just keeps playing with her arm. And Bloody eyes, you do. <laughs> You're not missing a spot on that bus. <laughs> exactly. So when you, and I find when you you know. Watching through that prism and, and knowing people, I, I was interested in that. But the gen, yeah, the general circus of it doesn't captivate me as much anymore. No, it's interesting to me. I mean, I loved watching Usain run. Like you know, I found myself screaming at this. He beat Cat- Gatlin in the hundred. I was. <laughs> I mean, that race. I, you know, I've talked about it before on the podcast, but it's one of those things where I think Charlie and I might have talked about it on Tofop. But when the day that it happened, but it's amazing that you can tell such a story in nine and a half seconds. Yeah. Because the real story, you know, you had the hero and the villain. Good versus evil. Like, and just even the way they set up, the the way he's relaxed and you just don't know whether he's as relaxed as he appears to be. The ravages of time. It's his third Olympics, oh, you know, all those sort of things. Yeah. And then, you know, the gun goes off and he basically just goes, oh, hang on, oh, it's just, 
get out of this yeah. chair, yeah. stretch yeah. out. Of, like, uh-huh. like he got out of the blocks like I get out of bed in the morning. <laughs> like, you know, like, oh, which bits of my body are yeah. going to hurt today? Yeah. Okay. Basically stands up and goes, oh, I suppose I better get about my business. Oh, Gatlin gets the best start of all time and yeah. is just flying like a bullet. Yeah. And then the, it, he just goes, all right, here we go. go and, and then had time to slow down and pose for a photo. Yeah. All in that time. That's yeah. why he's so captivating. Gonna That's have why to he put is this uppity little drug sheet back in his. Pl- oh, I mean, it's the. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. The, the world needs Michael Phelps and Usain Bolt to be clean. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If both of them are clean, then sport and Olympic sports still have a chance. I'm confident they both are. Yeah. I, well, I hope they both are. I'm I'm confident because they both also, they have, just this ridiculous genetic freakness. About them, if Bolt yeah, was they don't. Get, he doesn't. Bolt doesn't look like Gatlin. If Bolt, in fact, if Bolt, Bolt doesn't look Gatlin's like he could run to her in twenty meters. No, no, no. <laughs> and and you do you do the mechanics of it. Yeah. Like everyone else is taking two point eight meter strides. He's doing three yeah. ones that go to three fours. There's no performance no. enhancing drugs that make you taller and stride longer. His, springs in his leg. His have his, we tested him for springs his, in his um, leg? His his starts are slow. Yeah. He doesn't. You know, if he was starting like Gatlin and then running right, low which nines, is the, that's where your drugs come handy because ex- your power starts. Explosive, explosive power and power. reaction yep. time. Phelps can do that weird. Phelps can clap his hands behind his back. Yeah. When that's you can't do that, and if if you can do that, that probably help. If there's one thing that would actually help in life, it'd be something like swimming. Yeah. Where putting your arms out and ripping through the water. So I think I'm. I'm confident with both of those. I hope so. I mean, I really yeah. do hope so. Like, I genuinely, they're both amazing, amazing stories. And I think they're stories that can reform sport if they are both clean. Yeah. But then fucking Lance Armstrong always comes back to you. I mean, he was in a cheating sport. Yeah. But Bolt is in a cheating, sport. In a cheating the sport. The swimmers haven't as much, but Bolt is in a cheating sport. And, uh, you know, Lance Armstrong was- I'm back in the bowl. I'm oh, back in the bowl. I mean, I hope so. What I did- Like, I, I agree with you. The fact of, you know, the, his stride and all the yeah. things that you've just said, and the fact that he has really publicly been against drug cheats, yeah. and the fact that he has considered this a great victory for, you know, the war against drugs in yeah. their sport and all those sort of things. I, I hope more than anything that it is the case. The thing that I did love was immediately after him celebrating the triple-triple that movement that started on social media, people pointing out, look, the one way for him to crown his career would have to be at the Gold Coast Commonwealth Games in 2018. I mean, that's the big one, right? <laughs> I mean, we all understand. Unfinished business. I mean, that's... But you know what the problem is with the fucking Gold Coast Commonwealth Games? What's that? We will forget what happened at the Olympics. You know what I mean? Because all our... We are... Like, Australia are the biggest fucking flat track bullies. Oh, yeah. If we want to talk about flat track bullies, we are flat track bullies. And we are going to send all those athletes, A, up to the Gold Coast. I joked about the Olympics being schoolies, but it's actually the Commonwealth Games yeah. is the place they have schoolies. Yep. You send them up to the Goldie. They have a great old time. They're going to win bags of medals. Like, you know, we'll win everything. Yeah. Well, the Brits will win some and then we'll win the rest. Yeah, but the idea of Usain just having this bucket list on his wall. Commonwealth Games. It's crossed out Just the, the way to go out. It's crossed out nine. nine. gold, Olympic. Crossed out nine. Round I out mean, that ten. He should go to the Commonwealth Games and give him a 20 start. <laughs> That's how he should go out. In my final race, I'm going to race the 200. I'm going to race the 220 yeah. and the rest of them can race 200. Yeah. And then it's just like the stall gift and you see him plow them down from the back mark. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to have my – I'm going to put my starting blocks. Right. 20 metres back, and that big that big block that says lane four, yeah. I'll fucking jump that. Yeah, one hurdle. I'll Just jump. Put, no, yeah. you know what? 
You know what? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Commonwealth Games, and you can place one hurdle in my lane. I'll still win it. <laughs> All right, we need to finish up. Uh, this is going to be a bit of a shorter one. We were going to do a shorter footy one, but then we started banging on, so I have to do a shorter this one because I have to uh, go into work. Adam Spencer, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on uh, Fofop here today. Oh, you know what I might do? What are you going to do? Well, I half recorded an episode. I was telling you that I've got my headphones in, and yes. the reason I have the headphones in is only because I, it, it means that if the microphone cord falls out, yep. I will notice that. The other night I couldn't find my headphones and Justin and I did a podcast and turns out that his microphone cord had fallen out <laughs> and neither of us noticed. So there is about 40 minutes of that one. So I might just, just put those- You're talking one-sided about Quantum Cop. Look, there's a- I like the Quantum Cop. Yeah. I mean, well, you like it because of the Quantum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I can I can, I can, can take a loop. Yeah, I mean, okay, yeah, you're like, whatever. Quantum, whatever. The time travel. <laughs> that, that, yeah, well, you can get involved if you want. Right. We're putting together a team. We need some people. <laughs> you can be like, you know, on cop shows, they have the cop. Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, I'll tell you how cops yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can be our go-to on like- I, I, remember, that, I remember that time we interviewed Matt Damon- mm. Uh, and I mainly want to talk about Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, sure. You want to talk about Born Identity and all that stuff. But uh, and uh, he talked about because the guy who there was a guy from the University of Toronto, mm-hmm. a professor who mentored Damon on the math stuff he was doing yep. in Goodwill Hunting. Math Damon, and he became he became quite uh, you know famous in the mathematical community as Matt Damon's math. Because he's doing uh, all that stuff on the triangles yeah. in in the corridor and all that sort of stuff. He was the sort of Obi Wan. Kenobi for Matt in that. You need someone like that for Quantum Cop. Yeah, you know, because that's like, you know, when uh, people come off like and they're like, yeah, Tom Cruise is like, you know, I did my own stunts in Mission Impossible. Yeah. That'd be great if Matt Damon was like, you know, I did my own math in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Literally, did all, I did all that math myself. Well, no, because I'm, I'm <laughs> Matt saying because it was, it, it's a diagram, but, and then he had, he had dialogue as well, but the dialogue had to be done at the same time as the diagram. Right. So when, when you're then doing two things that you've committed to memory, but neither of which you in any way understand. Right. That that's getting quite. You can you can draw the diagram, or you can say the lines of so we are bisect the blah blah. But to do those, no, you can't say bisect the blah blah till you've done that because that's actually you bisecting the, the blah, blah blah. That's a blah know, blah right there. You, you haven't bisected it at all. No, exactly. Why are you talking about that? There's going to be people like Adam Spencer. Well, probably just Adam Spencer. <laughs> <but> <laughs> Brian Cox, Adam Spencer. Yeah. Uh, oh, did you see Brian Cox on uh, Q&A I shutting did. down the – Now, how oh. – is there one of those – like, I mean, you've worked with Brian Cox I have. Uh, a bunch of times. I went came and saw a show that you did together yeah. and uh, I found the first half very fascinating and then a little heavy going and then he said uh, – because he was doing some live physics. Yeah. <laughs> he was doing some live physics on the board. And he goes, in the second half, we'll come back and we'll, re- we'll really get into the yeah. confident, like, yeah. you know, the really the, – We'll the, go deep. We'll go deep in the yeah. physics. And I said, well, you'll come back in the yeah, second yeah. half and I will I'm drive leaving. home. <laughs> I'm pretty, pretty happy I've had my fill of physics. Yeah. Thanks, Coxie. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've done two tours with Brian and the, the preparation of the show each time is always him saying, I want to talk about this, I want to talk about that, and me desperately trying to drag him back. Right. right, going, trust me, yeah, bring it, it down a bit. But the other night, the other night when he was here, he had, there was a One Nation senator from Queensland. And what was frustrating about watching, you know, Brian had a bit of a go and, and put him in his place a couple of times and pointed out that, you know, NASA in particular yep. 
probably reasonably reputable. I love that though because that's that that was the guy from Malcolm, whatever his name is. Who cares what yeah. his name is? Like, but his big thing is well, NASA, like a what faking like stuff yeah. is that yeah. NASA? I want empirical evidence. Give yeah. me empirical. I, I, and what's NASA? The challenge. Well, was, mate. Yeah. No, I mean they fake that moon landing, exactly. so we know, know what else they're. The faking. Problem was the other federal polys there in the state that you've got are going to need his vote at some stage. Right. So neither could just say you're, you're an idiot. You're a tinfoil hat. Stop being an idiot. Nut job. Do you think the earth is flat? Well, that stop being an idiot. I would, I would have loved to have said to him, look, you know, the two things I would have said to him were one, do you believe in the theory of gravity? Yeah. Because no one's got a special jar. You don't go and buy gravity from the shops. We look at the real world. Right. We've come up with this theory. It seems to match reasonably. Guy called Einstein tweaked it a bit. We think we've pretty much got that down. But that's about the same way we go about the climate change stuff. By so. the way, uh, I, 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 I'm going to do a bit of a plug for another podcast, yeah. The Dollop. I don't know if you've ever no. heard The Dollop. It's an American history podcast hosted by Dave Anthony and Gareth Reynolds, and it's very funny. They yeah, took it. Right. They look at weird moments from American history. Yeah, yeah. But the, uh, the most recent one is about essentially these guys, these smart guys, a guy who was a mate of Newton's and like these guys, these rich Americans who for years – like had a war on gravity, yeah, yeah. Because the guys' right. like daughters had died, dr- drowned or something, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he was like, he blamed gravity, yeah, yeah. And then for years they were researching gravity, trying to like come, but it, it ended up. I, I won't spoil the story yeah. because it's one of those things where you think it's just a crazy thing, but then it ends up becoming some. Well, it ends up becoming an award that Stephen Hawking ends up winning. Yeah, so yeah, right. It's one of those great stories where you think just these idiots yeah, yeah. who are trying to like yeah, yeah, yeah. fight gravity. Well, the other and the other thing I would have said to the the honourable senator was, yeah. dude, look, you're about to go into the upper house of yeah. the Australian Parliament. You're going to have to make heaps of decisions in that three years. If you're not happy with the level of evidence you've been provided currently, right. On climate change, yes. you need if you need a higher bar than that to back an opinion of what someone's doing, you're not going to decide a fucking thing, mate. You're going to sit there for three years if you're not happy with the IPCC. Yeah, and NASA. <laughs> if, if, so, if they're all having a go, <laughs> if, if if someone says, "Look, we think we should, um, you know, raise raise the age before we can get to the doll," well, give me some proof, right? Okay, well, here's here's twenty years of peer reviewed science backed by thousands of independently operating agencies that almost entirely concur in wonder, yeah. Yeah, jury's still out there. Yeah, yeah. But when it came to his opinion on asylum seekers mm. and uh, and Manus, it was, quote, I spoke to Pauline. Mm. She spoke to a guy who used to work there. So, all right, well. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. Case closed. What else can you ask All we've got to do is speak to a guy who used to work at NASA and yeah. we'll sort it all out. <laughs> Adam Spencer, your new book is out at Christmas. Your old books, like, people can still get at adamspencer.com. Com.au is probably the best way to do it. And uh, they can find you, Adam B. Spencer, on uh, Twitter and... Uh, watch you on the back page on Fox Fox Sports or Fox. Ta- what's it? What, what's it? Which Fox Eight? Fox, Fox Sports. Sports. Fox Sports Channel One, and then replayed a bit later at Channel Three. Yeah, it's Fox okay. Sports. But yeah, Fox Sports. Nudity. You'll find it on Fox Sports. Lots of nudity. Lots of streaking. Thank you, mate. Pleasure. Oh, oh shit. I should do a plug. That's what I – I forgot that I have a plug of my own. I'm doing a series of improv shows, completely improvised stand-up oh, right. comedy shows, the 25th to the 30th of October at Giant Dwarf. They are on sale next week. So Running in um, new material for next year's show? Yeah. Or? Well, actually, I did – like two years ago, I did them at the Comedy Store. I remember. Um, and I, what I loved was they're just actually – unique creations of their own. Yeah. So often you like the things that are in the room, you don't ever get to recreate because yeah, yeah. it has to do with someone who was there or a thing that yeah, was yeah, happening yeah. or whatever. 
but being able to weave a show just out of those sort of things with and kind of talk to the audience and weave that into a show, something that you don't feel like I love doing a bit of crowd work or involving the audience, but you know, if people have paid over 50 bucks to come and see you do a show. Eventually they're like, get to the fucking show, yeah. mate. Like, yeah, yeah. but if you kind of advertise it as, well, this is what the show is. It gives you that freedom to be able to do that. And people seem to like it. I so. interviewed Lenny Henry once in my first year at Triple J in mm-hmm. the afternoons by myself after Helen had left. And Lenny and I just started talking about something on air and it all went a bit weird and really quite funny. And uh, during the ne- during the song, he said to me, oh, that was – he grabs a pen and Josh down a couple of things. Mate, if I worked that into a material, would you be comfortable if I did that on stage sometime? Mm. I'd be using some of the stuff you said. I said, Lenny, as long as I can uh, claim the credit, co-writer mm. – Lenny Henry World Tour 1998, I'm sure. fine with that. He said, you can have that, son. <laughs> so that's how you will address me from now. Sorry. He co-wrote Lenny Henry's very successful 1998 World Tour. <laughs> yeah, it was a collab. I'm not sure how much he did, how much Lenny did, and how much Taylor Swift contributed. Oh, I don't but- know if Lenny ever did the bit about his daughter 20 years from now getting picked up by a guy and Lenny coming out as a robot. If, if you ever heard If that, anyone did. Up, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Adam, thank you very much. Pleasure. This has really been one of those podcasts, hasn't it? We've been beset by uh, external conditions. But um, all right, uh, Zoolander, yeah. Okay, so we've, it, there was nothing. Even Will Ferrell couldn't save that film. And I normally think that just watching Will Ferrell do anything oh, yeah. is totally it's such a terrible film. Yeah. To wait so long and then to do so poorly. Oh, then you pulled yours out. Justin's now pulled his microphone out. This is literally like two bumbling, oh, bumbling fucking idiots trying to make a fucking pretend radio show. Like, uh, have crazy. I? I've I've got a fear that I haven't been plugged in this whole podcast. Hang on, what? Is that true? That did that come out now? I mean, I hope it came out now. Should we check? Can we? We can't check, can we? I mean, we. Can, you know yeah, what we, we can? We can check. You know what we can do? Let's just find out when you put it up. Well, I can't put it up if it's just me talking to myself. For, but people, can I? people will hang in there. I mean, I guess people. It'll be funny. Might be able to hear you from from in the background, but faintly through my microphone. You have to give it an intro. So when you go back, give this an intro to say there is, we have there no is idea. Chance. There is a chance that he doesn't, but he does turn up. Justin has not been plugged in this entire fucking time. <laughs> And the only way we discovered was when I also unplugged my microphone. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God. Like, imagine if we were on a spaceship and we were the only two people that could uh, put it back together. It would be it would just, oh, well, we're just going into the ground. I mean, we'll be know, fine, mate. Whatever. We would have. We, we'd give it a crack. Yeah, we'd make some jokes on the way down. All right. Um, well, we, you've only missed about three movies if you've just right. tuned in. Right. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed that. I uh, I really enjoyed it the first time. I kind of enjoyed it the second time. And by the third time, I thought, uh, nah, that's enough. I watched about the first third of it, as people know. I've talked about it on the mm. podcast before. Then I watched it all on my birthday. Mm. And then I watched it a second time, like in full on the, on the plane. Mm. And now I'm never going to watch it again. Yeah. I'm yeah. done now. That was it. I got everything that I needed to know out of it. Yeah. And uh, I didn't love it the first time, but, but I didn't hate it. Yeah. And I'm, ha- I'm excited to see Rogue One and I'm excited to yeah. see the next one. You know, 
I think that at some stage, if they keep making them, they might get one right. Right. And I'm very excited for that day. <laughs> but it has not happened so far. Well, yeah. no, they've got one right. They've got one right and, you know, good chunks of other bits right on yeah. the journey. Yeah. Yeah. The Star Wars is very good at uh, suggesting uh, a greater story in your mind. Star Wars is like a sporting team that if they could just get one good player or yeah. a really good coach in charge, you're like, yeah. you know what? I feel like we have the ingredients, but at the moment yeah. we're more a party club. We don't have yeah. the right coach. Yeah. The administration's in fucking. But if yeah. we could just yeah. pull some shit together. Yeah, they get the, they get good draft picks, and when yeah. they get the players, they put them in slightly wrong positions. Yeah, it's like, oh, I Natalie Portman. That's... We've got Natalie Portman. Yeah, oh. let's misuse her. Yeah, we've got Ewan McGregor. Yeah. Let's do everything we can to dull down his natural charisma. Yeah, let's take it out Which completely. is amazing, because he is full of charisma. I mean, I actually think that that he was his greatest achievement, George Lucas, was the right. special effects he was able to remove. The charisma. The charisma of you and McGregor from a film. I mean, that's um, the greatest, you know, I, I think of Lucasfilm's the greatest thing they've ever done. Right. And that is, that is some CGI. <laughs> I mean, they had to distract occasionally with Jar Jar Binks when they really kind of, right. like, when some charisma was leaking through. Oh, what are we going to do about Jar Jar that? Yeah. Just like, you know. Suddenly I respect Jar Jar more. Yeah, well, Jar Jar was really a cooler. Right. Jar Jar had always worked for George Lucas. This is what people don't understand. There were just times when, you know, the charisma was naturally seeping back in because he just can't keep it out of a fucking film. And George, you know, didn't have the technology at that time to fully edit it out, so he had to throw in Jar Jar. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, it all makes sense. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, Star Wars, okay. Spotlight, I loved it. Oh, yeah, Spotlight was... Should have won the fucking Oscar. It did. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, sorry, did I say that with the wrong intonation? Should have won the Oscar. Yeah. It yeah. should have won the Oscar. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I. it was one of those it things at the great. time because I love Mad Max so much and I hadn't seen Spotlight when it won the Oscar and I was mad about it. Right. Because I was like, fucking f- 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 bullshit. I bet this is just some fucking worthy film. Yeah. It's nowhere near as good as Mad Max. Yeah. And then I saw it and I was like, this is a really good film. Yeah, full of and particularly brilliant, for brilliant performances. Brilliant performances. And for someone like me who, you know, trained to be a journalist and worked as a journalist right. and like and had some sort of love and affection for the art and skill and, you know, trade of journalism. Yeah, a real that, reminder that thank God you didn't go into that because it looked like a lot of work. Oh, heaps of work, <laughs> even to do it well. Imagine right. what it's like now to write lists of things that right. someone said yesterday. Yeah, we don't even know if this mic was plugged in. Like, imagine oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> it's still better than journalism. So, yeah, but I like that film. Oh, uh, Michael Keaton, our uh, all of them. Uh, uh, John Slattery is a, he's a gun. It was um, great to I, see I, I like, his performance. Throw Mark Ruffalo into one of those films, and I will watch it all day oh, long. Yeah, and who else? Uh, Stanley Tucci. Yeah. Oh, the, the, his scenes with Ruffalo that that was a masterclass. Rachel McAdams. That, yeah. That was amazing. There was lots of good actors. And yeah. It was a really well made film. I yeah. enjoyed it, but that doesn't count. I mean, I know it's a movie you saw this year, but it's already won the fucking Oscar. Right. Like that's not th- being thrown into the mix for. Best film of this year. I mean, we kind right. of well, we count the. I mean, we're going yeah. this year, yeah. but we're really like Spotlight is yeah. a last year film. Yeah, right? yeah, and I okay. guess it's um, yeah, it just got released here a little bit later, yeah. but yeah, it's uh, but yeah, Deadpool liked it a lot. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. There's nothing really to say about it. It, I, it was just fun, and I, I think. Uh, all these uh, movie makers are missing the point. It's don't make, don't think. Oh, we've got to make an R-rated 
uh, Wolverine film, uh, look at it and go, oh, yeah, those guys really worked out that character and made a story that suited the character. That's what we need to do. And we also don't need to spend $190 million. Like, I was thinking, like, the next Batman film, this is what I would do. The next Batman film, I would set it in Arkham Asylum. I would make it like a horror movie and I'd give it some sort of journey where he has to move from the from the basement all the way to the top, have all the guest cameos of the villains, and you could make that movie for like 60, 70 million and it would be a behemoth, I reckon. Uh, here's what I would like to make. No one's going to make this film, by the way, but I, here's what I would like to make. I would like to make a Bruce Wayne film. Oh, right. Okay. So yeah, like... Whole, and it's like, I don't know how you necessarily... I haven't really thought... But I think there are a bunch of different ways you could do it. Right. But like some period of time, perhaps, where he's given up or yeah. before or like yeah, different times. Yeah. But like something where Batman is always like in the background and part of like the... net, But it's just about him struggling to be Bruce Wayne. Right. <laughs> right. That would That's be interesting. That's what I would like to say. Oh, man. It would be great uh, if, if Nolan ever came back and made a new uh, another Batman film. I would like it to have the uh, the a similar structure to The Godfather Part Two, where one half of the story is Bruce Wayne, uh, you know, before he uh, after he's joined the League of Shadows, but before he's kind of gotten back and still having adventures, and then set it with him coming back as Batman. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> or maybe just like uh, what about a um, like you know some sort of like you know just Batman hanging out with, like, the Justice League, but just in between, like, missions and shit. Oh, right. So when shit isn't going on, just, yeah. like, fucking shooting the shit. Like a, like a Tarantino movie. Yeah. Or a Kevin Smith movie. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a, there's a, there's, there's, <laughs> there's a throwaway panel in a, uh, in a Morrison JLA where uh, Wally West, the Flash, is talking to Carl Rayner, uh, Green Lantern, and saying, uh, and he's, I think he's literally, I think he's saying something along the lines of, uh, have you ever heard Batman's Joker stories? Oh, you won't sleep. And it's just, right. a, it's just a throwaway thing. And you go, oh, yeah. Because, you know, in their downtime, what do you do? You tell stories. So you'd have War Superman stories. and he'd be talking about, oh, yeah, I was in this nebulae. Right. I was pushing a planet back in. Oh, it was really interesting. What were you up to, Bruce? Oh, let me tell you the weird thing that the Joker's done this time. Right. Meanwhile, the and Flash is the eating like, heaps of food. Like, and Batman's like, you know, he's like, and here's the thing. I had to really had to go. Yeah. I had like a lot of water that morning and yeah. whatever. And like, you know, and they're telling these like war stories yeah. and these like funny things. And it's like, you know right. what? I was fighting that crime and I brought it down, but I literally pissed the bat suit. Right. Well, that's funny. Garth Ennis had him piss the bat suit in Hitman. Like there's a scene where Batman pisses himself. <laughs> that's strange. Is it, is it Garth Ennis? Or maybe that was Kevin Smith. Oh, anyway, it sounds like a Kevin Smith thing that's- in hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of them. All right. Um, Hail Caesar, we both like that. Oh, yeah. I, th- I thought that was heaps of fun. Uh, uh, but again, uh, again, this is not to diminish Hail Caesar, but, you know, for those guys as well, more one of their just like, you know, I'm happy that they put a movie out this year. Yeah. But not one of their great movies. Not like one of their good great movie. films. Yeah. Like, yeah. Even a very good movie at times, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, even even their, their bad films are immensely watchable and, and not bad. <laughs> All right, uh, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Oh, terrible. Just terrible. Uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane, what did you think? Oh, yeah, I really enjoyed that. You know, it's a glorified episode of Twilight Zone, uh, but I thought it had a bit of spunk to it. And uh, it was also, it reminded me, uh, it had the same effect that From Dust Till Dawn had on a lot of people. You either, you got to the twist and you either went, yeah, or you got to the twist and you went, oh, why'd you ruin the movie? Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm one of the few people who well not one of the few. There was heaps of people like me, but I love from Dust Till Dawn. Like, yeah. and I love and I loved um Death Proof and uh yeah. you know, all those films that they made, like there were, you know, all these weird sort of things together and yeah. um I've always been quite a fan of that, but um I, I you know this because I asked you what the end of like Ten Cloverfield Lane was because I was just like I watched the first like half of it and was like, Yeah, I get the gist of this. Yeah. Now I just want to know what happens. In the is he making it up or is like yeah. aliens? Yeah. And then I was just like, can you just tell me? <laughs> so yeah. I don't have to watch the rest. Of <laughs> yeah, it'll be easier. I'm like, uh, I get the gist. But uh, uh, good performances, like really good performances. Uh, Batman versus Superman: Daughter Justice. We've talked about that plenty of times. Oh, so many times. Um, oh, Zootopia. I haven't seen, but I heard good things about. What did you? Yeah, think? yeah. I really enjoyed Zootopia. Just uh, a really beautifully uh, fleshed out world, and it was funny and uh, had a really good narrative. Yeah, that was great. I'm now at the point where I'm not really seeing a lot of children's films because Amy and I used to watch children's films, Pixar films, and stuff. But she's right. kind of. Just got to the point where she doesn't really enjoy children's films anymore. Mm, yeah. And I'm a 42-year-old man, so I will not go and see one by myself at the movies. No. It just well, feels I, weird. Look, at 40, <laughs> I can tell you at 43, it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jungle just, Book, uh, speaking of which. Which uh, I really took me by surprise. I really enjoyed it. I really? thought the, I saw the I thought it looked beautiful. Uh, I thought the story was great. I thought that kid was a scorcher. Like, considering you know that he is in the real world, performing to a stick-on-a-ball kind of thing. I thought his performance really held it together. Also, there was, there was a bit with uh, Scarlett Johansson as a giant uh, python that was uh, seductive and really fucking scary. And I thought, man, if kids saw that, Christopher Walken as this great ape, like it, uh, Bill Murray, it was, it was really good. Okay, there you go. Recommendation for The Jungle Book, did not see it. The Huntsman, Winter's War. Uh, so, uh, you know that I love... That nobody asked for. Right. Well, you know that I love uh, Jessica Chastain. Yes. And I love Charlize Theron. You do. And I love Emily Blunt. I think they're all amazing actors and I, I find them all stunning. And I could not wait for that movie to end. Please, just be over. You like Chris Hemsworth. Uh, I love Chris Hemsworth, yeah. And it was just... Just, is it... Please finish. Just just finish. Just Just be over. And let's just move on with our lives and get all those people and make a good film. Uh, Captain America Civil War we liked. Yeah. We both liked that. Probably, possibly for me, the best blockbuster of the year, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, Bad Neighbors 2, which you've already covered. X-Men Apocalypse. Oh, just dreary. Dreary. I, I forgive love the X- Oscar Isaac. I forgive the X-Men films a lot because I just like the X-Men. Right. And I like being in the X-Men universe. Right. But uh, it was after what I have thought have been a couple of good goes at it of late. Yep. Um, I was very disappointed with this one. Oh, just. There's bits of it I really liked. Oh, yeah. yeah. Terrible villain. Terribly executed villain. Yeah. Like, made, again, like it's the, uh, is, is this the problem with these movies now where it's like some sort of arms race with villains? Mm. And we've forgotten the idea that like a villain doesn't need to be the biggest evilest whatever in the universe. In fact, you know. It's boring, yeah. In some ways, yeah. Like it, it, it can be somebody more manipulative than that, or play yeah. smaller than that, or 
They don't have to be some ancient fucking, oh, well, this is the, the original mutant. Like, you know, yeah. like, this is going to be like, oh, who cares? Well, so it's so operatic in the comics. Uh, but, you know, like they've just kind of missed a, a surefire bet where uh, Chris Claremont, uh, when, it, you know, when he started writing the X-Men, uh, really developed Magneto into a really fascinating character where he he's joined the X-Men. And, you know, so you've had uh, someone who has... Uh, you know, similar interest to you, but he goes about it in a way that you're always questioning. Right. And just seeing him turn again and, oh, I have to, f- oh, oh, shut up. Fucking Captain Flip Flop over here. Oh, just get I mean, on with on. it. Like, how many times do we have to kind of just forget that he's terrible and evil and kills everybody? Yeah. Like, you know, for a moment? Yeah. Like, you know, like even just in the contrivance of the plot where you're like, hey, uh, you know, Professor... I yeah. feel like you're actually, you've got a bit of a blind spot here. Yeah. He's killed everyone. Yeah. Like heaps of everyone. Yeah. In really evil ways. Yeah. You can't just be constantly like, we'll be cool though. Yeah. I'll win him back over. Yeah. Eventually you've got to kind of go, we're going to cut this guy loose. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know I mean? Yeah. He's like, done I a lot of bad love shit. Him. Yeah, but you know what? It's too much now. Oh, I know. Uh, yeah, I, I did. I did like. I feel uh, like that. That's X's soft spot. Right. Do you know yeah. What I mean? Like it's like, hey, I mean, I know that is the point of it, but right, I'm, but I'm, but literally, I'm like, no, 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 it's beyond that now. You're harboring harboring a fugitive, right? You're constantly letting Hitler get away, right? And getting him to join your team, like, <laughs> right. what are you doing? I know, I did enjoy the uh, Wolverine cameo. Uh, I thought that was pretty fun, but overall, it was just like, you know, I felt like the the last film was a little bit overrated as well. I, I've I've always uh, I've always thought that I would love to have seen there was talk of a Michael Fassbender uh, one-off solo Magneto story where it was going to follow him going around killing all the Nazis from um, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and when I read that, I was like, oh, I don't think it's going to happen, but I would watch that. But also, that's how you get us to barrack for him. Right. You can kill Nazis. Yeah, they're the ones that you can kill. Right. Yeah. And you know what the Marvel Universe did? They do Hydra and they do a double salute. So they're like double bad Nazis. But <laughs> and you can kill Nazis. them. We they're, love you killing Nazis. Yeah. They're the ones that you, you know, they're the ones that it's okay. Right. Yeah. Kill them however you want. Yeah. In such entertaining ways. Right. Because you're Magneto. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we get to see him doing kick ass killing fucking yeah. shit. Make it like but a, it's Nazis. Make it like a uh, a Cold War magnetic version of James Bond. <laughs> right. Yeah. But with like an yeah, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. We are so many good ideas. So many. Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, we're right Just here. Grab a notepad. Yeah. All right, we're gonna have a pause because I uh, much like Batman. <laughs> need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and we're back in yet another permission, uh, position on the podcast. Ramona is now on Justin's lap. Right. We've had a good 20-minute conversation about so many different things. <laughs> but we're back. <laughs> and Mike's not plugged in, definitely, for that I one. mean, this is definitely one of those podcasts where, like, you could do a whole other podcast about the bits that were in between the times we've started oh, the podcast. Right, yeah. There could be a companion podcast. Right. And it all mixed together like a Radiohead album. You're like, oh, now this finally all makes sense. Oh, yeah. It's like putting OK Computer together within rainbows. All right. Do so, it, people. <clears throat> uh, Purple Rain? Oh, uh, well, okay. Well, yeah, I'd never, I'd never seen that. It's good. I saw it at the movies, actually, Purple Rain. It's crazy, though, right? It's crazy. Like, there's some, like, I mean, and like, talk about, like, you know, things that you just couldn't do today. Right. Like, there's some genuine, like, violence against women and, right. like, some things in there that, like, uh, 
yeah, it was it was confronting to yep. watch it for the first time and uh, and see all of that stuff. Like I. I the last thing I expected in Purple Rain was uh, a statement on how domestic violence can pass through generations. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like it's a, it's quite provocative and yeah. bizarre and like I yeah. mean very Prince. Yeah. All right. Uh, match point. Uh, oh that no, that was, that's, uh, that's the old film. Woody Allen film. Oh, yeah. Look at you watching fucking Woody Allen. Films. Don't tell anyone. That was meant to be my secret. All right. Uh, the nice guys. Oh, I really enjoyed the nice guys. I've heard good things about it, but I had no real desire to say it. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Like it's, uh, uh, I'm not saying it's exactly like this, but it kind of gave me the same feeling that uh, Midnight Run gave me. Okay. Mean, yeah. Well, that's the, a high compliment. Yeah. Uh, Creed, the Creed, uh, the movie about the band Creed. Yep. It was uh, <laughs> a little bit religious. Michael B. Jordan plays them all though. Yeah. Convincingly. So. Convincingly. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's from last year. That's from well. last year. Yeah. Fuck, I loved it. I loved it so much. Uh, the Lobster, I don't even remember. What was the Lobster? Oh. Now, the lobster is, uh, was the lobster maybe last year? Lobster is Colin Farrell, and it is set in a world where if you break up with your partner, you have to go to a place and you have 45 days to find a relationship. And if you don't, you get turned into the animal that you choose to be. And that's the premise, and it is amazing. It is amazing. You know who you, made this film? You know, uh, it's a Greek director. I didn't. Uh, I can't remember his name. I'd never seen any of his stuff. Nick Giannopoulos. It's, it was Nick Giannopoulos. It was the sequel to the King of Mykonos. It was the, it rounds it out. It rounds the out the trilogy. Of Mykonos. The Lobster of Mykonos. It's actually, the full title. Yeah. <laughs> but. Um, uh, yeah, I thought it was stunning. It looks amazing. It's got uh, Rachel V's, um, uh yes, Ramona. Uh, who else is in it? Uh, uh, ben Winshaw. Uh, anyway, lots of lots of great actors, and it's really offbeat. And you know, like like in Bruges was the moment where I suddenly went, oh yeah. Okay, now I understand what people see in Colin Farrell. Right. And then you see Seven Psychopaths, and it's it, it, it's a different type of film, but uh, just. Anyway, I thought it was fantastic. It's really worthwhile checking out. But I could imagine that anyone watching it, you'll either love it or you'll hate it. Yeah, well, Colin Farrell is uh, hit and miss. Like, that's what he yeah. is. You know what he He's is? He's either really great or really terrible. I, I put him in the same category as you and McGregor of, like, keep him in the small films. Because when you put it's them true. in the big films, they kind of, it's it's like they can never capture what's so great about them. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Let them, yeah, let them be the lead in a small thing. Yeah, and they will fucking nail it. You know, they are a, they're a big fish in a small pond, but in a good way. Yeah, definitely. But Colin Farrell is stunning in it. He is fantastic. And the ending is, you should watch it. Uh, all right. Uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel didn't come out this year. So no, you were just but I love looking. it. It's a good film. Love but it again, so much. Most of the good films on this list, and I went past the Interstellar as well, uh, are things that did not come out this year. Yeah. We have talked true? about some good films, but they have not come out this year. Yeah. Uh, Warcraft, colon, the beginning. Yeah. Do you think there will be a Warcraft, colon, the story continues? I don't think so. And, you know, uh, like I'm a Duncan fan, and uh, I think there was a lot of love in it. If, funnily enough, I think the love of it, uh, and and this was uh, the the people who own Warcraft wanted this story told, but as a movie, like as a video game, I'm sure it works beautifully. But as a movie, what it does is it splits the narrative too much, where they show you good and bad people from both sides, right. and so you're a little bit lost trying to work out who whose side you're on. And also, like I know this is going to sound racist, but orcs all look the same. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell. Like, I'd be halfway through a scene going, oh, that's not who I thought it was. 
freedom of speech. I'm allowed uh, to say this. <laughs> yeah, that one's Mjork and that one's Bjork. Yeah. Come yeah, on, yeah. Mjork and Bjork. <laughs> Simple, guys. <laughs> so anyway. They've got names like they've been named by the Swedish chef from the Muppets. You're Mjork yeah. and yeah. you're Bjork. Mjork and Bjork and Bjork. Yeah. Bjork and Bjork and Bjork. It all works. They're all Bjork. Yeah, Tom, Tom York. York. Tom York Hawk. <laughs> um, Tom Hawk. Uh, anyway, the... <laughs> yeah, they should have all had funny names like yeah, that. Yeah. I'm Tom Hawk. Yeah, that would have been amazing. The one with the lazy eye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's in a corner just making some sweet beats. <laughs> but it was... Uh, and, you know, like, I, I, I'm very comfortable in the in the uh, nerdy world, but it was... I went to a uh, preview and they had a couple of speeches beforehand and then they said something that must be said in the game and all these people... In different parts of the cinema stood up and replied with this battle chant oh. and it uh, just made me a little bit sad. Ah, I would have enjoyed that. I would have been like, yeah. ah! Yeah, and they did it at the end of the movie as well. It's like 4D. Right. It was, anyway. All right. Uh, Finding Dory. Oh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Jackie really enjoyed Cation it. described it as the Empire Strikes Back of the Dory of the Finding oh, yeah. uh Movies, yeah. Uh, is it a little darker? Yeah, there's. You know what? There's a there's a cracking scene where they're in a uh, in an area where kids are allowed to touch the uh, touch the uh, sea life, uh-huh. uh, l- little pool. Yeah, and like, what, they, like they have at the aquarium or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the way they shoot it is they shoot it from the animal's perspective, and it is horrifying. horrifying. Yeah, because you're seeing these big hands go. Boom, Bush, and they're all scuttling and trying to hide under the sand. Well, I imagine if, like, you know, there was some, like, you know, bigger VO being yeah. in us, yeah, that, like, suddenly just was like, I'm just gonna, like, touch it to see how it is, and yeah. that mean us no harm, no, but that would be terrifying if a giant hand came from the right. sky and started to touch us. Well, I'd be fine, it no fine for me because I lived with Brett Wheeler for a long time, <laughs> yeah, but- I mean, you'd be like, Wheeler. <laughs> <laughs> Like, high five, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, did I scare you? Yes, yeah, you're huge. Sorry. I'm in a hot air balloon. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I thought it was. I, I laughed a lot in that film. You know, here's something for you. I saw Richard Wilkins give it a really average review on TV, and I watched him in the cinema come in about five ten minutes late, be on his phone for about twenty minutes, and then leave. <laughs> I don't know if I'm giving any away any trade secrets there, but I thought you can't give it a bad review. Right. You've got to give it at least average. Yeah, you don't even know if they found Dory. Right. <laughs> You're not sure who Dory is, yeah. and you don't know if they found it. Yeah, what's the Dory? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Morning Glory. Uh, <laughs> Oasis did the theme song. Oh, yeah, that was a great, uh, <laughs> great uh, Pixar what's movie the, about the, Britpop. What's the story finding Dory? Yeah, that's, that's the third one. <laughs> It's the third movie. Oh, God. Uh, all right. Hunt for the Wilder People, which uh, we both love. Oh. I it's, just, it's a delightful film. Yeah. It's like it's one of those films that just is better than it should be. Yeah. Always. Always. The performances are great. The script is great. There's the nice little of it is just delightful. Yeah. Some things that would ordinarily annoy me don't annoy me in any way. No. Like the kid, the, the, the kid, is, kid is a gun. amazing. A gun. Like, yeah. Amazing. And uh, the uh, uh, Tiger's film Boy had slipped through. I'd, I'd never seen that. And so I immediately went and watched that. And He's good. Oh, man, that guy is a super talent. Yeah. I can't, like, I have high hopes for this Thor movie with him in charge. I mean, he, I know that he uh, hired a lot of Indigenous people. That yeah. was one of the things. He made it a priority to hire Indigenous people. 
Mate, he is everything that I wish I was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Including a New Zealander. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, the big friendly giant, the BFG, you said that. Oh, uh, yeah. I enjoyed it. Like, I, I was not really a fan of uh, that story as a kid, so I didn't quite have uh, any kind of connection like that. But, you know, I just think Spielberg knows how to make a... Like, I think it's less a Spielberg, but it's still a good film. All right. Uh, the next three films I actually really love. So, maybe I'm ab- uh, wrong about this being a terrible year. Uh, Memento, The Prestige, and Boy. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. All from other years. <laughs> yes. Oh. Like, great films. Three great crackers in a row. Yeah, that was a, that was a good night. Memento and The Prestige. My, that, was, that was my own little art house cinema Saturday night deal for... Uh, for all the fans. Uh, Ghostbusters, which we saw together and enjoyed. Yeah, laughed a lot. Yeah. Uh, Star Trek Beyond. Uh, I really enjoyed that as well. I enjoyed that uh, in exactly the same way that I enjoyed Ghostbusters. I had a really good time. It moves at a... Like, you know, there's there's flaws in it, but I just kind of uh, enjoyed the ride. And I think Chris Pine is really underrated. And I feel like... I feel like... Chris Pratt has come along and in in a, in a weird reverse of Hollywood, the guy who's not quite as good looking is getting the good roles. <laughs> like a nursery rhyme. Chris Pratt was formerly fat. Chris yeah. Pine was formerly fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think uh, there's a scene right at the end where it's just him walking through a party and he's really funny. Like he, he knows how to deliver a line. It's like, give him more of that because that's also a little bit more in the spirit of the William Shatner. Do you think the problem is that often when people Google him for roles, they actually get Christopher Pine, the Australian politician? Yes. And they're like, oh, I don't like this character. Oh, my God. You, it's too you, over the top. You, you know, there's there was about 15 <laughs> scenes filmed of the first Star Trek with that Chris Pine. Yeah, just going. I'm a fixer. Yeah, you can find him on. You can find him on YouTube. You have to. You have to do a deep dive though. <laughs> Took him weeks. Yeah, yeah. Eric Banner walked on and was like, "Hang on, do you know this yeah. is like?" Uh, that's guys. the wrong Chris Pine. <laughs> yeah. I, How many? I still vote in Australia. And uh... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, uh, Suicide Squad, which we've uh, previously spoken about. Oh yeah. But terrible. Yeah. Oh, we're not terrible. But no, but just not dis- great. disappointing. Bad mums. Bad moms. Yeah, actually, bad moms. Was it bad moms in Australia or bad moms? No, it's bad still? moms in Australia, but I refuse to write moms. Moms. So bad mums? Yeah. Uh, it's oh. fucking bad, bad mums down here, mate. It's not yeah. bad fucking mum moms. Yeah. Oh, it was just, you know, whatever, by the numbers. The, oh, the Fabulous Baker Boys. So there you go. Oh, it's yeah. been a terrible year for films. Yeah. Fabulous Baker Boys. When was the last time you watched that? That is that is a scorcher. <laughs> that is a great film. Jeff Bridges is fucking amazing. Bo Bridges is really funny, almost like a prototype fucking George Costanza. And uh, Michelle Pfeiffer is unbelievable. <laughs> it's a, it's great, and it's and it stinks of the eighties saxophone all the way through it. Yeah, I mean, it's. I remember. I, I haven't seen it in years, but I remember enjoying it at the time. Yeah, yeah, really enjoying it at yeah. the time. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I would say it was a baker's delight. <laughs> a baker's boy's delight. <laughs> and we'll be back after this break. <laughs> I thought we're back on the BBC. <laughs> I said it was the bridges of Radisson County. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep pitching lines yeah. for old movies. Yeah. <laughs> Just like for the you for the Criterion the reissue. Yeah, could you when they reissue it? Can yeah. you go with this one? Yeah. <laughs> But it's so funny that you, even when you said, oh, this is a really good run of movies, and it's like, yep, all old films. Yeah, I give it Pfeiffer out of Pfeiffer. Yeah. You know the Pfeiffer out of Pfeiffer. <laughs> Jesus shit. That's funny. Um, 
You know, you know what the problem is for the for films now is that they're all either massive budget films, but if you have a mid range budget, you might as well go and make a TV show, and yeah. that's where you know you get longer. You know, like the, I really loved the twist in uh, Mr. Robot this week. I was like, oh, fantastic. This is great. Yeah, and seeing more creativity in one episode of Mr. Robot than I'm seeing in most films this right. year. Yeah, that's why I think you've lost that middle. You've either got the yeah. big blockbusters or the tiny little ones, but you've yeah. got nothing in between because it yeah. is, it's TV. Yeah. But Dead, that, that's what Deadpool was. Like, Deadpool was kind of like a mid-range film. I think that was only $60 million right. to make that. And that was so much more entertaining. And also had a threadbare plot that was borderline Mad Max, you know, in right. that it was like, uh, like he went to kill a guy. Like, that was, it, it's, it's like three scenes. That'll do, though. That whole film is like three it's scenes. It's going to be pretty funny about it, though. Right. <laughs> really funny. It's going to be heaps of cool bits. How about when he turns... slow-mo and shit. How about when he turns around and tells us, oh, where are the other X-Men? It's almost like, well, you couldn't afford them. Like, right. that is funny. And you know that payoff with that fucking Hugh Jackman mask took me so much by surprise because I thought it was just funny when he had People magazine right. in his bag. I didn't know it was going to pay off. Yeah. And when it did... I mean, it's a well-constructed film. Really, like, com- really well-constructed. well-constructed. Yeah. All right, well, we should finish up because you've got uh, gigs to go to tonight. Oh, uh, yeah. To do, in fact, to yeah. perform at. Um, and we don't know if you were recorded for the first half of this <laughs> podcast, so that'll be a great mystery for us to discover. I can't wait to find out. Oh, don't or, don't or, tell me when the podcast goes up. I just want to find out when people contact me. Uh, so anyway, uh, where can people find you on the internet? And uh, stuff? Uh, your podcast, Can You Take This Photo, please, is back. And I've been oh, listening yeah. to a lot of it recently and lots of great episodes. Oh, well, thanks. Checking out. Have you heard the Mikey Robbins one? I have, and I saw Mikey Robbins last night at your show, and it was not nice. Because there were some stories on that that I did not know. Oh man, I've known Mikey for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, and you know he, he's just he's old school entertainment, and he has all these stories. And it was like uh, you, you could literally do a series of twelve, right? And he would have a story, like a story to fill every one of those. Yeah, fucking things. He's yeah, just fucking chock a block full of great fucking showbiz stories. Oh man, the Keith Richards story is is worth the the non price of downloading. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, yeah, so if people want to check that out, that'd be great. Uh, but they can find me at Justin Hamilton underscore on Twitter and my official Facebook page. Uh, I got some gigs uh, coming up in Sydney. I'm going to do a mm. little run of my uh, completely improvised stand-up shows. What you talking about, Will? <laughs> which I have not done for. <laughs> A couple of years, and I love doing these shows. I just haven't had an opportunity in my schedule to do them. Yeah, they're uh, fun to watch. And I do now. Yeah, you were. we were just talking before because I was saying that maybe – because I'm going to do them at Giant Dwarf. I mentioned on the podcast mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago I might do them at the store, but just yep. – uh, I could go. I could do Giant Wolf, Dwarf a, a week before, and that was just it suited my schedule a little bit more for America and stuff. So um, I'm, they're going to be at Giant Dwarf, which I love. Like that's mm. where I did Political Wheel last year, and I think it's a fucking great venue. You know, the when I did support for you there, that was the first time I'd performed there, and it felt like I was at like the Rhino Room yeah, or something. It's brilliant. It's, yeah. a, it's a really fucking great venue to see yeah. something. Amy like loved it when she came and saw the show. She just said it's a nice place to watch like comedy yeah. from as well. It'll be a good place to do those improv shows. Yeah. Um, but also the great thing about Giant Dwarf as opposed to the store, well, I mean, the great thing for me about it is that at the store, the shows would have had to be an hour, whereas right. at Giant Dwarf, you know, they can be as long as, you know, we all want them to be. So, um, 
so that'll be great fun and maybe it means that I can also get uh, you know a support in and like make a bit of a night of it so yep. you know obviously Justin I'll be asking you but if you can't do it I'll be asking Becky Lucas so. okay <laughs> well uh, I'll do whatever I can to make certain that Becky doesn't get those gigs yeah exactly nothing so sus. take that Lucas. <laughs> uh, so um, yeah people can check that out and then I got a bunch of shows in the US including Portland that I mentioned earlier I'm going back to Denver I'm going back to Madison Wisconsin and I am going back to Cleveland so you can check me out in all those places um, at the usual clubs so um, that'd be brilliant come and see some shows there'll be some other stuff around LA and stuff that I'm going to book in soon. Oh, LA Podcast Festival. I should oh, yeah. mention that. Uh, there's a live stream. You can watch over the 30 shows plus at the festival. You can watch them all for three weeks, either live or, you know, like catch up with them later. Uh, it's only 25 bucks. 20 bucks if you put the code TOFOP, T-O-F-O-P, and then uh, we get seven bucks, which means that Charlie and I can help to pay for our flights over to LA for the LA Podcast oh, Festival. Oh, right. So. Yep. And we've got a brilliant new James Fosdyke poster and T-shirt and all the sorts of things, so they'll be available there. Oh, and, you know, yeah. Oh, so Jeez. Have you, you've seen that yeah, one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Fozzie. Yeah, like, holy shit. I mean, just like, no, every time. Again. Just, yeah. He's the yeah. Waleed Ali of oh. podcast art. Yeah. Nails it every time. <laughs> Nails it every yeah. time. Fosdyke nailed it again. Yeah, because <laughs> you know what he is. He's not just only a, uh, a great artist, but he's also uh, legitimately really funny. Yeah, a great comedian. Like, yeah. I mean, he does this regular comic book, uh, comic strip for us on our uh, Patreon page, our Tofop Patreon page. At the $10 level, you get like uh, twice a month, I think, a Fosdyke uh, comic strip. And when we envisage this, we assume it'd be like three panels and it'd just be kind of oh, like Garfield. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you're that I was like, oh, it'll be easy for him. He'll just have three panels, and he'll kind of like, you know, whatever. He'll just put different bits in or whatever. But yeah. they're fucking. Some of them are 18, 20 panels, masterpieces of yeah, like, like Chris Ware artwork. <laughs> yeah, you can put it out as a fucking like, you know, a poster of its own or even a yeah, comic book right. of its own. Like amazing fucking stuff. So you yeah. should check that out if you're a fan of Foz and all that money goes to help supporting him and getting him to do art for us and like yeah. paying him properly to do those things. Yeah. So uh, check that out. That'd be good. All right, Justin Hamilton. It's been a pleasure. Thank you all.